0: All the ball's the best, number one. It's the GOAT of sports apps. Talk about the greatest of
1: all time. Big Joe's the greatest of all time. He's the GOAT. We know it. <laughs> I, I'm going to say right. I'm the
2: Djokovic
3: of this scenario. <laughs> I love
1: it. Love
3: it. Download the OTB sports app now.
4: OTB AM. With Gillette. Get into
3: your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. Right, you're very welcome along to this morning's OTB AM. It's on with you all the way through until 10. We'd love to hear from you. Wherever you were watching the weekend sport, whatever it was that you consumed, because uh, there was plenty on to keep you distracted from events, then get in touch this morning. Leave a comment on the YouTube stream. You can always get us 0879 180 180, Or, of course, uh, you can get us on Twitter at OffTheBall. I am fresh from Billy Brennan's barn. Mm-hmm. It's our very own, own Sheehan. How are you? Indeed, yeah. Uh, there was no dance on there last night. The people of Monaghan were very disappointed with what happened, so the dance was cancelled. Was it good, though? Uh, as as atmospheric provincial grounds go it was i mean provincial it's is kind of a shitty word for this isn't it it's uh, like a,
5: it's a a place it, it it's a place exactly heartland of ireland we don't need to upgrade it not everything needs to be viewed in the context of its province or its country it it's just of its place and, and that's all it needs to be it is perfect it is genuine it is salt of the earth that is how i would describe in a scheme the most possibly possibly the most genuine Gaelic Games place in Ireland. Like cell phone. I, I thought that, you know. We, we, we reverted to possibly the most genuine moment in the history of our match going crew yesterday. We um, neglected to stop on the way up and uh, we realised that we were all quite hungry once we uh, arrived to uh, Macnello's pub in Inneskeen and uh, you would not be able to find a deli counter anywhere in Inneskeen. We did try and we arrived at a shop so uh, in lieu of being able to come away with a few chicken fillet rolls we uh, Brought a sliced pan and ham and cheese into the back of the pub and started making sandwiches for people Bye. in the back of the pub. So it was. Uh, um, Sometimes they're even nicer with a little bit of oh, to lash some crisps. One hundred percent, one hundred percent, even nicer. And uh, not every publican around the country will be that hospitable. But uh, yesterday was one day you could get away with it. You so could that, that automatically gives in a scheme an extra like two marks out of ten.
3: Yeah, well, the fact that you won as well—that's more important, right? Now, ultimately, that decides whether or not you like a place that was a hell hole where you got beaten by a dodgy refereeing decision by a single point like no this place completely awful whereas if you win it's like ah, oh, oh, these people are genuine they're, they're my people
5: 100% like it, it's just it, it completely affects your perspective on it and uh, if, if if you go to a place and a team wins then I mean your day is good and if you lose it's like everything here is crap do those home supporters awful people whereas now I'm like Monahan people are very very nice
3: great great bunch of lads the goals. I mean, we're going to talk about these in the performance rankings in a moment, but the goals are fairly spectacular. They're going to live in the memory.
5: Uh, I haven't actually seen them back, but definitely there's there's a big talking point, isn't there, at the moment around um, goalkeepers and their forays away from goals. Well, don't do that which, now. We're going to do that in yeah. the performance
3: rankings. But actually, the experience of it, like what when the crowd are are there and there's like uh, something that is actually kind of very important in the evolution of the game. Is there a uh, ooh of excitement?
5: Uh, yeah, oh, 100%. Like with Sean O'Shea's goal yesterday, there definitely was when, when he lobs Began, and definitely when Began gets turned over in the middle of the park before Clifford's second goal, there's a feeling of, oh, like, it's, it's almost like a more guttural feeling of, you know, not only scoring a goal, but actually turning over the, the fly goalkeeper who had the cheek to come out of his goals, which kind of uh, adds to the whole thing. That's not necessarily uh, planting my flag in the ground here. Am I? Am I taking whether or not? It's the right thing to do coming out of goals because I actually just don't know anymore, to be honest. But uh, there, I think there's definitely a greater satisfaction, right? And I think it goes with with everything. If if, a, if an error, and I put that in inverted commas, if if, the, if, an, if an error is capitalised upon, I think that is one of the ways where a bunch of supporters gets an extra kick from a score, right? I think I think that definitely adds. A layer to it. Am, am I wrong in saying that, or is that
3: just well? I think it's obviously glorifying pain. Well, uh, we've been bearing witness to what we thought was an evolution in the sport. That um, you know, the the Vunderkins who are now Vundermens, uh, Vundermans, uh, yesterday completely derailed. It's like when the story of this Kerry team's three, four, five seven in a row comes to be written there'll be moments along the way staging posts there'll be the All-Ireland final where they could have won but didn't there'll be the the managerial renting and there'll be like the the full stop they put to an entire movement of Gaelic football blithely on an afternoon where the conditions weren't great but they were like look at all this nonsense you're all doing we are the future we are the past we are the present we are the future that's what's going to happen when the story comes to be written of David and O'Shea. Well, I'm glad that it's you
5: that's, that said it, and that's going to be the take that's going to be clipped once there's uh, another demoralising defeat in an All Ireland semi final for Kerry this year. It'll be you that is uh, going to be plastered on the social media account of every Tyrone person in, in the country, every Monaghan person, or maybe even a Donegal person, uh, or Armagh, as it's like a, an all Ulster semi final lineup this year, as uh, they've kind of like sleepwalked their way through this league because they know that there are bigger challenges coming. They all know that they're going to be in the Tal- or not in the Talatan Cup, regardless, they're all in Division 1 and they're just waiting. Uh, as everybody else, you and I, Kildare, Kerry, Dublin, Mayo, are all just thinking to themselves, this is where it all matters. But no, the Ulster teams know better. They know that there are bigger days coming.
3: We are fodder for the North. Mm. It is 7.35 this morning on OTBAM. We'd love to hear from you. OTBAM is brought to you by Gillette. Good morning. Start with Gillette, put your best face forward with their new and improved Razors. Here's what's coming up between now and 10 o'clock this morning. The performance rankings are coming your way in just a moment. We've got Mark Lawrence in at 10 past 8. Sports pages. We'll talk about the uh, close but no cigar for... Uh, Shane Lowry overnight um, shot back so really great form for him at an important time of the year you want to be getting good with the build up to the Masters weeks away Alan Quinlan's going to talk to us about the most ridiculous sports rule ever a double uh, a double sending off for the same incident is ludicrous and whatever idiot came up with it should be fired uh, Anthony Moore at 10 past 9 we, we've kind of banned talking about mead because you can get all your mead content on the, the football pod with uh, with Tommy but actually there's a prospect they might be in the Talisman Cup this year and you know we're not, we're, there's no schadenfreude on our, on our part at all we are definitely not enjoying that uh, and then uh, that's uh, at 10 past 9 Malcolm McKelly reflecting on the win as well at half past 9 this morning at uh, 7.36 though um, it is time for us to bring you the Gillette Lab performance ranking.
0: You know, that wasn't an All-Ireland winning performance. Probably
2: should have won the game based on their second half performance. <laughs> is it a step too far to say it was the performance so far of the World Cup? Maybe not.
1: OTBAN's
2: performance rankings with Gillette. I'm, I'm, I'm scratching my head. The
1: performances have just lacked that intensity.
2: Gillette Lab's performance rankings
3: for an effortless finish to your day. It's time for us to get into this, Own. We uh, do this every week. We have uh, red for bad. We have amber for we're not quite sure whether or not your performance is good or bad. The jury is out and then we have uh, green for go. Indeed we do
5: and it was, as you say, a pretty chaotic weekend and uh, there was a lot of green, a lot of red and uh, a bit of amber as well. We're going to start in the red as ever this morning and as you can see, Chelsea and rugby rules are the things that are coming under fire from us here this morning. Chelsea first off, um, a nightmare weekend I think it's fair to say if you're a Chelsea supporter and it doesn't even come down to the fact that they lost the cup final yesterday where their goalkeeper gets substituted off and then the keeper that they bring on ends up skying the ball a million yards above the crossbar. Like That is very much, I would think anyway, uh, the second worst thing uh, about the weekend from a Chelsea standpoint. I think that the way in which Chelsea have, I guess, conducted themselves in the face of what's going on in uh, Ukraine at the moment uh, was was pretty disgraceful. And the way in which they're going to try and protect Roman Abramovich in the way they've already tried to protect him has been um, has left a lot to be desired, I think it's fair to say. So for anybody who hasn't seen this over the course of the weekend, there was a 110-word statement that came out from Abramovich at the start of the weekend, which didn't mention Russia or Ukraine. It was Saturday night. This was uh, after today's Premier League. I think maybe midway through uh, match of the day kind of comes out met with heavy criticism, as you can imagine, this uh, this statement. And then Chelsea kind of come out and they realise that they haven't actually condemned what's going on. They release another short statement 14 hours later on Sunday morning, saying the situation in Ukraine is horrific and devastating. Chelsea's thoughts are at everyone in Ukraine, everyone at the club is uh, praying for peace. The original statement had said that uh, the stewardship, which is an interesting word, of of Chelsea FC will be handed over to uh, the the trustees of the charitable trust. um, And these trustees had only learned of the plan to hand them stewardship of the club on Saturday. And this is the likes of Bruce Buck, Emma Hayes, Seb Coe is uh, on this uh, committee of, of people. And I guess this has been just a, a really shoddy attempt to try and divert the attention away from their owner, who is still the owner of Chelsea FC. Let's, let's not forget. There have, uh, has been some suggestion that there will be uh, sanctions that would dissuade them from ever owning the club again. But that very much remains to be seen. Then yesterday with Chelsea, you have a situation where uh, Thomas Tuchel decides that uh, Edouard Mendy, despite being one of the better goalkeepers in the world, is not going to be his goalkeeper for the penalty shootouts. In fairness, Kepa uh, is uh, is known for for being for being decent in penalty shootouts. I guess for being decent in on the the, the goalkeeping side of of, uh, of saving penalties, uh, and he, he decides to bring him in. He says, "Target me not." Uh, Kepa when it comes to your criticism of the game and, and that's where he left that but all in all a really really bad weekend for, for Chelsea and for their supporters
3: Yeah it's kind of hard to care too much about the Carabao Cup when yeah. all the rest of the stuff is going on and definitely there's like a, a bit where you're sitting on the couch going am I going to flick over to the real news or am I just yeah. going to sit and watch this for um, for my enjoyment and escapism and I think that's going to be how a lot of us are watching our sport for the next while because the imagery coming through you you don't have to dig too deep to get uh, first hand eyewitness accounts of what's happening in Ukraine from people on the ground and it's grim it's really really grim and it's kind of terrifying if you start to think about how this escalates or how it de-escalates in the meantime it looks like a very very uh, calculated and cynical move by Abramovich and Chelsea to pretend that he isn't actually the mm. beneficial owner. So um, you know we will will put the stewardship of the club into the hands of the trustees of the charitable trust. It means nothing. It actually just means nothing. Chelsea is still beneficially owned by the same person who is Roman Abramovich and let's, let's not let's not pretend that somebody who owns an organisation like that is not the single most important thing you know in American sports when you win the Super Bowl they give the trophy to the owner that's really what they should do in they're, in, fun, they're straight up about it in, exactly exactly. In, in football it's the same thing like uh, now Sometimes Abramovich and his relationship with the UK and his ability to get visas has been tricky. So that would have been there would have been somebody designated to be in in uh, in his um, in local parentis, uh, and uh, that would have been difficult. But it would have been revealing. It's like that that fit and per- fit and proper persons test that the Premier League have allegedly been carrying out on their owners over years and years and years. It's nonsense, right? It is nonsense. And when stuff like this happens it does throw into sharp relief who owns football, really. Like, football is supposed to be a community representation. It's supposed to be the best of a certain area versus the best of other certain areas. And then that that completely fell away over the last 25 years because there's so much money in the game. And uh, when when Abramovich pretends that he is somehow responding to the situation in Ukraine with this... um, while While not actually coming out and criticizing what happened like it 's interesting his daughter did come out and and criticize what 's happened, but he has yet to uh, issue any statement on the illegal occupation and the invasion by Russia of ukraine um, and there 's been no criticism of uh, of him from the Tories who run England, and you know the the money train from Russia to the Conservative Party is really strong and, and it 's going to be become very clear that it 's very difficult for uh, English political society, particularly the Tories, to uh, separate themselves from the, the, what was the phrase that was used, the sewers of Russian money that run under London. Um, and Chelsea was one of those, the, one of the, the baubles on the tree that was the the, uh, the biggest and easiest to watch. And it's like, well, this guy owns Chelsea. Don't, don't let him pretend he doesn't own Chelsea or isn't in charge of Chelsea. And if there are sanctions against Russian business owners, Uh, and their assets that has to include Chelsea he could sell Chelsea he could divest himself of that um, and let's see what happens in in that instance so uh, it's going to be pretty tricky for everybody at the club over the next while to pretend that what's going on by Russia invading Ukraine uh, shouldn't have an impact it should have an impact and you know so football, I think, is going to become secondary
5: in, in many aspects. Um, 100%. <clears throat> and then there's also like the, the non Chelsea aspect of, of this on football over the last couple of days, and FIFA essentially refusing to suspend Russia from international football has been a very interesting story. So, for anybody who missed this, you've got Poland, Sweden, Czech Republic, they're the, the three teams who, who Russia may have to, to go via in order to qualify for. Qatar this year. Uh, so they've all said that they're going to refuse to play Russia. These games are due to take place in March and FIFA now wants the football union of, of Russia to be the team that, that these, these uh, outfits are going to go up against. You know, No anthem, no fans, uh, so therefore it's uh, not Russia and a different name. Um, they, I don't know how FIFA are going to try and sort this out because you've had Poland, Sweden, Czech Republic doubling down on their statement that they're not going to play the football union of Russia so people either need to give Russia a free passage to the World Cup or review its decision to let them compete surely and I, like we, just, we never know with FIFA we never know what FIFA but surely one of those two options is the more obvious path here you, well,
3: you, you know FIFA did give a World Cup to Vladimir Putin and FIFA did say that football was fixing the, the world's ill so was, was football wrong about that it appears that actually they would have uh, you know, in retrospect it'll, it'll come to see that um, disemboldened Putin yeah, like uh, I mean, it
5: does feel that there's like a, a bit of a line in the sand that's been drawn last week. It should have been drawn way before last week. There's absolutely no question about that. But it does feel it has been drawn here now and FIFA are now realising what it's like to be stood up to. You've also got the women's team who are due to take part in, in the uh, European Championships this summer as well. So you'd imagine they're going to meet the same fate that uh, the men's team are. Like, What I think is going to be interesting, so you've got this Football Union of Russia idea pushed out there by FIFA. FIFA... What that says to me, think that the symbolic gesture will actually work here. And I wonder, is this, like, the FIFA maybe look at some of the other movements uh, that have, have seen football and, and, and uh, politics mix quite closely o- over the last little while? And it's not even political whatsoever, but more societal issues. And I wondered, did they look at something like the, the Black Lives Matter movement and, and think to themselves, "Right, football can can get away with letting players take the knee, and and our, our day-to-day operations of football is not going to be disrupted any bit by this." You know, we can feel good about ourselves because uh, the players are making their gesture, and we don't need to feel overly uncomfortable by doing anything more. Whereas in this occasion, there are teams who are unwilling to play football matches, and I'm, I I think that FIFA are now all of a sudden in a situation where they're like, "We haven't encountered this before. This is a very very different scenario." and I guess they are no longer the bully in the room. The tables have turned significantly on them and how they're going to deal with this is going to be very interesting because, as you said, they've had a very, very cosy relationship with the the country over the last little while.
3: Yeah. I mean, obviously, uh, global events can overtake sporting events really quickly, but it will be very interesting to see if other countries decide to follow the lead of those countries who were saying, no, we're not going to play. And and it'd be great if they didn't then play uh, in a behind-closed doors or neutral venue or any of that kind of stuff. They just said, no, we're not playing we're not, we're not partaking in this tournament if they're partaking in the tournament because if everybody says that then FIFA end up having to do the right thing which is kick them out so um, we'll come back to that that's yeah. uh, Chelsea in the red um, some special mentions coming in for people already uh, special mention for Sinead Kavanagh beating Liam McCourt on one leg on Friday night grinding it out after getting injured early on great crowd at the 3 Arena again as well Katie McCabe should be in green scored a wonderful volley as Arsenal hammered Liverpool 4-0 it was an absolute thunder bastard uh, which is doing the rounds on Twitter if you haven't seen it and then uh, hard luck to Shane Lowry last night so close just a shot back so I mean you would put him in the green for the good form but is he he feels in the red this morning perhaps having uh, had the opportunity so if anybody missed this Berger was six shots clear uh, heading into the final round and it looked like you know it's going to be one of those Sunday processions but then he completely fell apart and um, an Austrian who I am unfamiliar with ended up winning it yeah Sepp Straka.
5: Uh, the first Austrian to win on tour in I don't know how long, and uh, he finished one stroke clear of Shane Lowry. Straka finished four under for his round. Lowry finished three under for his round, and there was just this deluge right at the end, which maybe in in time Lowry will think, "God, that came at just the wrong time." Have it would have been. An hour later, he might have got himself into a tie-break here. Maybe not, maybe, maybe, track was just uh, in, a, in an unstoppable place at that point. And, and And Larry's put, for example, on the 18th was always going to come up short, but it definitely felt it didn't do him any favours. Even just having to sit there, not sit, not sit there, stand there and wait under an umbrella uh, and uh, as play kind of slowed down, probably didn't do him any favours at that point. Was full sure he was going to do it last night, but it uh, wasn't to be. But Berger, as you say, Bit of a meltdown on the final day. Finished uh, four un- four over for his round yesterday, so he finished in, in fourth place. But still, like uh, finishing second at the at the Honda Classic is not something that uh, Shane Larry would have sniffed at at the start of the year, to be quite honest with you. So it was uh, it was a good finish from him in Straka, just uh, sensational yesterday. Uh, Larry coming in in
3: second place. Yeah, watch Larry over the next few weeks. So he's, he's obviously when he gets in form, he contends, and uh, that's where his wins have tended to come from in the past as well. So uh, the rugby rules were red. You better be very careful here on. The yeah. rugby bros are going to be coming for you if you complain about their laws. We've got we've got rugby rules. We're wrong. Yeah. They're not rules. We're idiots. We've 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 erred first already from the get go. We are revealing our ignorance because we are but paupers when it comes to understanding of the laws of the game. Oh, and their laws. Alliteration is
5: more important than uh, laws. I think you're not a fan of this. I, I sense uh, of, of what happened yesterday. We really, they call it a disgrace at the top of the show. So I mean I'm not exactly
3: sleuthing too hard here. So, a man gets sent off for an, uh, a thing that happens, and uh, one incident leads to two red cards. Now it's not a red card because he's not going to get suspended. Whoever you take off, so already you're framing the wrong. No, 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 no. Two players get sent off for one incident. Like every sport in the world has gone through a period where they get a bad rule, they introduce the rule, and they change the rules after that because they realise, oh, we're idiots. Well, that was there's double jeopardy there. We've we've completely ruined the sport by our idiocy and our arrogance and our stupidity. But in this one, just just go and check all the the, the blowhards defending the law, because well, this this incident happened with Pat Lam and whoever else. It's like oh, rugby is rugby is infested with cheats is is what their argument is, and we need to fix it. It's like well, or or the rules just need to be um, the already complicated rules need to be. Bit more nuanced. If if uh, if uh, if the second incident is a red card, well then we actually won't apply the double sanction of the two two sendings off. It's just uh, as Shane Horgan said, if you need a matrix to explain the rules, maybe, maybe you need to revisit that. Are you are you are you completely not
5: buying the idea that the rule before, like that, there was a loophole
3: in the rule and that there would be but the, room the, for the cheating? the fix of the loophole has created. An idiotic situation, which isn't that hard to work out. So let, let's just run through the let's just run through when the, you're in the room. It's like, well, oh, let's just run through what happens there in this scenario. Yeah. So um, uh, uh, a hooker gets injured. The next hooker comes on and gets sent off, and you know one of the first plays afterwards. What happens then? Oh yeah. Well, we we sub on another front row, and then we take off somebody else as well. It's like okay. So it'll be thirteen men. It's a double red card. Yeah. That's. Exactly, it's a double red card. What? How, how does that make any sense? Uh, and would you change
5: it to maybe not a double yellow red card, or not a double red card, but maybe, uh, I don't know, an extended sin bin? I think that's what Tony Ward is calling for, it. an orange card of sorts. In there, the, there aren't Irish they trialling
3: the orange card in the um, Super Rugby or, or some kind of equivalent to that? The red card, you, you can go back after 20 minutes. Like, uh, I, get, I get the contested scrums, and uncontested scrums there's been various stages where you're thinking, "Oh, we could go to uncontested scrums here, uh, and that would be good for us um but like um you, you shouldn't be allowed to voluntarily go for it, like i saw somebody else suggesting that well, you could just have a third prop on the bench, you know break glass in case of emergency, but you can't do that because you'd actually also need extra tight heads, you know you kind of need a limitless supply of tight heads uh, to be able to go to the uncontested scrums but the, the double red card makes no sense it, like it, it, there's nowhere that I've ever seen anybody go I'm going to send one player off but two players are going to go off for that same incident mm. the number eight had to go off he got sent off effectively because of the high tackle like there's no other way of reading that as soon as it was a scrum they had to sub off the number eight take him off the field by by rule by law yeah yeah, no,
5: I, I get 100. percent But like, I'm also just trying to understand this from the other side of things, where they do, where people, where actual human beings did come up with they this did, law. They did. And, uh, they did. And so I'm, I'm, I am trying to like, the best and brightest in minds
3: way. in world sport have come up with this plan. Do you feel that this is a well-run sport? Do you think that maybe this is in keeping with? other aspects of the sport that we're seeing and how well it's run at the moment. Well like I mean is it uh, shit show of a calendar that they have, the the mix and gathering of rules at different parts of the hemispheres of different rules. Like the rugby the rugby calendar, the the tournaments that they the hotspots that they come up with, the fact that like the uh Southern Hemisphere countries used to just be able to steal players from the islands, like, oh we'll give you a scholarship, come over at twelve, you're ours now. We own you. Like it's a it's a nonsensically badly run sport. At the administrative level, it's a brilliant sport to watch. It's a great sport to play if when it's safe to do so. And notwithstanding that, we still manage to see great games. But it's run by idiots.
5: Uh, I, I, but is it just galaxy brain stuff when they get too far ahead of themselves, thinking about what people might do with the rule and what the loophole might be that they expose? Is you're that giving it, them a lot, you're giving them pure, lot of credit, rather know? than just pure idiocy? Like, is, like I'm just trying but to think. Their brains are too big. That's what I'm saying. Well, they the certainly think their galaxy. brains are too big. Their the brains like... And, you, you know, you, you can see a team trying to cheat whenever the rules allow it. And if you are getting beaten up at the scrum, you will do everything in your power to try and arrest that slide in some way and there is a pretty obvious rule if you've got uh, nobody left uh, so in, in the front row say, to go uncontested say
3: the referee, and that's why the rule exists Say the referee had um, had sent Kepa off for time-wasting and gamesmanship in the penalty shootout <laughs> yesterday which it's not beyond the bounds of possibility He could have booked him straight away he didn't, he let it go on the whole way and it really, it really annoyed the Liverpool players and it did, had zero impact in the end but say he booked him once and then booked him again what would have happened? Somebody else would have been nominated to go in, right? Oh, you can't do that in rugby. It's too dangerous. Well, I mean, if the team is deciding that they're going to cheat to the point where... Um, like, are, you, are we saying that there's no other solution other than the two red cards? Because I don't believe that.
5: Yeah, right? well, that's, that, that's where... You're that's saying, where what's your
3: solution to this problem? And yeah. I'm like, well, yeah. you know, um, like... That, that, so, like, I mean,
5: I guess we would need to ask somebody who's, who's played there, but, I mean, do you just move somebody else in the, the forward uh, pack into the front row. Is that actually dangerous? I presume that there is a, a health and safety uh, reason why that actually uh, wouldn't be allowed and, and, and that's why we're in the situation.
3: Well, couldn't you have like a bad prop play? I mean, we've seen, yeah. we've seen props play hooker. We've seen hookers play yeah. prop at various stages. We've seen them do it very well. Like the throwing in didn't seem to be an issue. You know, there's, there's definitely a way around it if they want to do it, but you're going to have a, the, the blowhard saying, no, our laws are perfect. They're perfect laws.
5: Uh, it's also probably coloured by the fact that the game became just, it, it, it ended the game as a contest at that moment. I know it didn't necessarily until the second half, until Italy got properly worn down and until Ireland actually woke up a little bit. But I, I do think maybe if this was against a, a stronger opposition would this be as big a talking point? Maybe it would. It probably would, but like it, it does feel that it's like... Oh, it'd we, be a bigger talking
3: point because it would be a better game that was ruined. Like it, Nothing happened yesterday. Ireland, Ireland scored 50 points. We always score 50 points at home against them in recent years. Uh, Italy were game. They're always game. Their defensive structures looked okay. Their defensive structures always look okay. They had no attacking... Blah, 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 blah. Ireland, they, they, that game... Uh, European rugby has managed to uh, make Italian rugby so badly funded and run and they don't care about them to the point where these games, there's no jeopardy in them anymore anyway. so like, But if, if it had actually been against better opposition, or if it happens to us, where we end up going down to 13 men and our game gets ruined against England, say, next week. You know, say Sheehan gets injured and Herring gets sent off or... Uh, Sheehan gets sent off and then Herring gets injured and there's no one left to go and we go to the uncontested scrums and we end up at, or like at, at that stage, 13 men. It's it's the same. The, the law makes no sense. A double red card for one incident makes no sense. Like, if that's your starting point, the starting point is wrong. And from that, come up with another solution. Whatever those other solutions are, try those out and and try them out in a sevens... Twi- oh, sevens twi- you can't try that in a sevens... Twi- try it out in like a... A pre-season match and go well okay we want you to simulate this and simulate that and simulate this what's going to happen here like there are ways to do this without it happening in what's supposed to be the best competition in the world
5: like, I mean I, I'm, I'm trying my best to find the devil's advocate response uh, to that but it is hard when you do see some two people go out for what is essentially the one instant but um, maybe maybe moments like Bloodgate changed the entire perception of rulemakers in the sport maybe they're like there are just cheats everywhere
3: I mean there are uh, cheats then we everywhere need to, we
5: need to uh, the, the, the thing at the top of their mind is how do
3: cheats I thought well, rugby's values are respect rugby's values are cheating and gouging and like that's why it's such a great sport to watch sometimes is because uh, it's hard to referee and the game gets refereed at the edges Like <laughs> rugby talks a lot of nonsense about itself and then it, 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 it peacocks around particularly the people who run the game, peacock around about their own brilliance and their own genius. They have a great welcome for themselves, as the saying goes, and stuff like that happens. And like, oh, no, uh, this is perfect. It makes perfect sense. Your idiot brain is too small to understand how this actually (laughs) makes perfect sense.
0: Okay, great. I'm not sure I've
5: seen anybody call it perfect. Uh, Like, I mean, I haven't really been on uh, social media or... Uh, I didn't actually see much of the post-match analysis. Yet, so I'm not going to lie. So, was, were people calling it perfect?
3: Uh, uh, there are rugby bros out there who are defending it's, it's, it's successfully achieving what it's supposed to be achieving. Okay. Okay. Well, I don't think anybody. I love. I, don't I lo- think it's perfect. I don't. love the, this uh, variation of success. Right. Um, the Gillette Lads' performance ranking for an effortless finish to your day. In
5: the amber, we are putting Tottenham Hotspur. Who? Let's face it. They probably should be in the green after their performance on Saturday because all four goals were brilliant. You have Youngmin Son and Harry Kane combine for a new record of thirty seven goal combinations in the Premier League. They move a further goal clear of Lampard and Drogba and Henry and Perez and I uh, mean Time will judge them very well as a as a pair in the Premier League. But I just just can't get past, you know, Antonio Conte and his and his comments last week, especially when he is as glowing as he is about his project at Tottenham in the aftermath of their win against Leeds on Saturday. Like, there has to be, like, a, like a five-step plan to get your way out of the sulk that he was in last week, right? Like, you can't just go from being like, I'm a terrible manager, maybe I'm crapping this, to everything is fine and everything is perfect in the space of, like, four or five days. But that's exactly what happened here. So, for people who didn't see his, his post-match comments, like, he went from potentially not being good enough to being like for the first time I've seen my mark about this system to create with the wing back and the other wing back which is on and Matt Doherty who scored this is a mark of my system my formation this is the first time it means the work is starting to work it was a good performance for us in a difficult stadium etc etc but it seems that the, the, the switch has been flicked in between Burnley and Leeds and that may be the truth and maybe Spurs are going to go on and win the rest of their games this season but it does feel that uh, switches don't just flick like that in football especially when results have been so mixed and I'm not sure if I'm entirely buying these Conte comments despite the fact that I'm a massive Conte fan and think he was the right opponent for Spurs at the time I'm just not sure if this is the sort of out of the rush immediately uh, but his comments seem to be suggesting that
3: I think it was da- I, I, maybe I'm doing somebody else the disservice but I think it was David Connolly on Friday morning on the football kickoff who actually was saying everybody needs to cool the jet in the Burnley performance Burnley like if you look at their results against the top teams, they've drawn with almost all of them. Liverpool scraped a 1-0 win, and everybody else has really struggled against them. So don't over analyze slash overreact to Spurs Burnley performance. Spurs could be going really well or really badly, and that performance and the result that might have been fairly similar. Um the thing to do was to look back at how well they played against Manchester City and go, well actually, you know, there's a template there. I think he was right I think he was proven right at the weekend I, I think that it's possible that the switch didn't get flipped this week the switch got flipped a couple of weeks ago maybe he overreacted to the Burnley performance knowing that it was another opportunity for him to stick it to the board like seize popularity with the fans and make sure that when the argument is being had in the summer he's, he's got that one circled and goes you know afterwards we did great stuff but that's still possible we could still get beaten by a team who were battling relegation because I don't have X, Y and Z um it does look like their players. They signed the two, the two players who weren't enough. Mm. Uh, they've settled into the team. Yeah. pretty Kurosowski in particular, pretty quickly. You know, um, like, wouldn't it be amazing if this was to be a late stage? flowering of Matt Doherty as well it's not beyond the bounds of possibility that he can turn Matt Doherty into you know he's got some track record of uh, good right wing backs appearing everybody having written off and then going ah, oh, you could be in the, player, the team of the year so look I really hope I mean Doherty's finish was sublime Yeah. Um, I didn't see any more of the game beyond the goals so I don't know how well he played after that but if he's getting name checked in the aftermath of it and things have turned around and the atmosphere is good you'd expect him to get picked next week
5: You'd, you'd, you would, absolutely, especially if this is now the system working, and we said that at the start that this system may actually play into Matt Doherty's strengths. And it's been a few months at this point, and maybe we jumped to conclusions a little bit too quickly about uh, whether or not it was going to work for Doherty. Maybe it just does take time, and maybe maybe Conte uh, is finally starting to see this the system work. It's it, like it's going to be the next two fixtures going to be very interesting when he goes up against Everton and goes up against Manchester United. The next two Premier League fixtures, I should say, because they've got Borough in the cup this week, but that Manchester United game in particular is going to be a, a a very curious like staging post for this team especially given the context of Manchester United reportedly haven't been interested in Conte in the past and i mean if you had to to make your mind up maybe before saturday on who was doing a better job so far, Rania or Conte, or who was having a better time of it? It might have been hard to decide. Now Saturday probably tilts it back in Conte's favour a little bit. And uh, like as we said multiple times in the show before, the the top four race is is absolutely fascinating. There are five points between them at the moment, and Spurs have two games in hand, so they're going at around uh, the same rate of knots at the moment in the Premier League in that race for the top four. So it's going to be brilliant over over the course of the next while, but. Whether or not I'm just throwing my lot in with Spurs right now and saying that it's 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 all no. sunshine and rainbows, no. I'm, not, I'm not convinced. But like the thing is, you're not going to back against Conte as opposed to some of the other managers around him in that in that table at the moment.
3: Well, certainly, he's uh, look. We'll see. It could be a false dawn. I don't know. I I do feel like I do feel like there's. Uh, I'd be amazed if he was to walk away, given that Spurs could easily be a top-four team with the stadium and with the money and with the like the whole notion that they don't spend money isn't actually correct over the last number of years. It's just that they've invested horribly. So, OK, let's move on. Two fairy tales in the green this week. First
5: is uh, a boy from Cork who uh, kicks the winning penalty as a goalkeeper in a cup final uh, yesterday for Liverpool. Queven Keller, of course, uh, a brilliant day for him. And possibly an even greater fairy tale story is that a Leinster team has won a game Against the giants of Dublin, which, which is which is the greatest fairy tale here?
3: Well, I just really wish that maybe you know we'd sent the team out in a more aggressive fashion in last year's championship to see when when we put the white flag up in the first few minutes in Leinster last year. Maybe that was a uh, an opportunity missed in retrospect. Maybe Jack O'Connor wasn't ambitious enough for this Kildare crew. They were. Um just felt we needed to get that point raised today as a as a reminder of where we've come from. You know, I think Kildare are probably a little bit ahead of schedule at the moment. Maybe that's to do with the Dubs not being particularly good at the moment.
5: Yeah, that's that's definitely true. Like, I mean, which uh, we, we, is it to do with the Dubs not being particularly good, or or is it to do with the fact that Kildare are actually in a in a really good place? Like, which is more, which is a more important factor in that win yesterday?
3: I think uh, every every match has its context. Um, I don't think the dubs are great at the moment I think they're working through a lot they're definitely trying out a bunch of new players and new combinations and a new style of play and Desi I was talking about that in the papers today but equally uh, I mean it's clear that Kildare have a sense of identity and they too are trying out players and they too are trying to be a bit different um, for the first time in a long time they've got uh, a bit of strength and depth and they've got an inside forward line that's dangerous and that is going to cause almost any team problems um, you know they've got a reliable free taker and they've got a style of play and the patterns of play and they've got conditioning which allowed them to stand up to Dublin yesterday in a way that we haven't really seen for a long time um, you know they were certainly winning the collisions uh, but again it's not the championship it's February um, and while uh It's a good sign. It's not the end of the road. Like, I mean, uh, uh, yeah, 100%. But there's also
5: a bit of, like, uh, celebration policing going on around uh, Kildare uh, yesterday, which is just, uh, I just find it completely off the mark. I I find that the the context of this one yesterday is actually significant because, I mean, there is somebody on this show who likes to say, don't give a a sucker an even break, and uh, there is a truth to that. Like, I mean, can you even call the rest of the people in Leinster suckers uh, over the last little while? I think that might be giving them too much credit. I, I think the way Dublin have utterly dominated them and demoralised them, and it must have been hell to be a county in Leinster trying to exist as a it football country. It was pointless. Pointless. That's worse. That's worse than everything. It was pointless. So, so it's, it is the league. It is just February. Uh, we are almost in March. And... It, like it, it is pro- possibly going to be a situation where Dublin do get further than every other Leinster team in the All Ireland Championship this year, but it's just that little inkling of hope that has been so absent for so long in Leinster that makes yesterday significant. And I don't know if I'm a if I'm a Leinster or if I'm a Kildare fan this morning. I'm pretty happy with how yesterday turned out. Uh, and the same goes if you're a Liverpool fan. Obviously, we're going to have Mark Lawrence with us who will uh, get stuck in properly into into this final. But like it's it's been spoken about a little bit in the aftermath of the game, but. How much credit does Cuevin Kelleher deserve for uh, conceding as many penalties as he does before banging one into the back of the net? Because I know it's not necessarily um, weighted in the goalkeeper's favour anymore when it comes to these penalty shootouts. that 's actually save them because penalty taking was so good yesterday. But it kind of reminded me a little bit of the Europa League final last year where uh, obviously David De Gea in goal... Um, and or like uh, Unai Emery's Villarreal, obviously win that on the day. But it was kind of a sense that once you get down to the goalkeepers, you do get kind of battered down by all the goals you conceded. Once you get to player eleven, maybe, and that's your yeah. your confidence gets a bit of a gets a bit of a a, a, a tanking. But with Kevin Keller yesterday, that was that was absolutely not the case. No. Nope.
3: He was inspired by the Cork Hurlers and their absolute domination of Limerick, who didn't even make your list. Uh, Put your Gilroy in red for doubting the Cork Hurlers, says Mernon on Instagram. I mean, I did did doubt the Cork Hurlers. It was like, you know, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Um, But uh, let's wait. Easter Sunday is the day that we're asking the Limerick Hurlers to rise from the dead. I didn't realise that, but that's when their championship clash is going to be, which is like not that far away at all. So... Uh, it's obviously Pancake Tuesday on Tuesday which means it's 40 days after that if my uh, ecumenical maths are any good so we're about 42 days away from I don't know maybe that's that right am I right is that still the same I didn't know so it's Pancake Tuesday tomorrow is it yeah nice one uh, Connor O'Donnell in green good for Donegal to bounce back after the horror show on Kerry says Richard Jonathan Moffat says uh, Shane Larry should be in green Pierce O'Connor says Desi Farrell Chelsea on and off the pitch we agreed with you on that one Rannick rugby rules should always be in the red I don't know about rannick it's not his fault that absolute sitters are being missed by um, the team maybe it is maybe it is his fault I don't know enough about really the the bad luck evening itself out over the course of the season versus good quality coaching but it seems like they have plans in place we'll come back to that Dublin football red Dublin hurling green the Dublin hurlers not getting enough love like we were we were last week on the performance ranking so you know it was a big, big test for them but yeah absolutely you go and you you back up exactly what we asked you to do and then the Wexford hurlers like so suddenly we have to reevaluate Galway because uh, Limerick in the league against Cork really not very good and they did have Keane Lynch back um, so does that take Galway back a bit but then Wexford keep winning and winning and winning so uh, Queen and her immense today pressure on Bazunu asks hey Brian Rossner says Limerick and Orange not the same team without the water breaks I've been there this is a great narrative it is absolutely brilliant and we will definitely delve into it a lot Uh, Kelleher and Green says Dave as well we've already given a special shout outs a little bit earlier on in the show as well every week on the Gillette Lab performance rankings we're looking for your suggestions who should make the green the orange and the red from the weekend get in touch on the stories on the off the wall Instagram on Sunday afternoons or comment live on Monday's OTBAM, and we'll pick out a winner for our Gillette Labs Razor Pack. That is it for the Gillette Lab Performance Rankings this week.
2: OTBAS Performance Rankings with Gillette.
3: Right, we've got Mark Lawrence standing by, we'll get to him next. OTB. 13 minutes past eight this morning. You're very welcome along to OTBAM. If you've just joined us, you've missed our performance rankings. You'll get them on our YouTube channel, and you'll also get them on podcast if you subscribe to highlights or the OTBAM feed wherever you get your podcasts. Now it's time for us to turn to football. Mark Lawrence is with us. Mark, good morning to you. How are you?
4: Good morning. Thanks. Got back about midnight last night, so all good.
3: Very good. So you were you were in Wembley for the cup final.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. i tell you what, it was, a, it was a much better game than I expected. I thought it would be far far more tighter and um, in all honesty, either team could have won
3: it. Uh, either team could definitely win it. When the two keepers are left taking penalties, is there anything that we can read into the fact that Cuevin Kelleher manages to bury his and Kepa, who hasn't had the best career at Chelsea, blast his over?
4: Uh, I just think the irony of obviously Kepa being brought in, just before the end of the game to to save any penalties and well basically probably neither of them were anywhere near saving them but you know you know what's really interesting I think is is that you know I think goalkeepers should always take penalties because if you really analyse it they kick more dead balls than anybody and you know there's, there's a little bit but they're taking them, but I don't think they've got anything to lose I mean the, the quality of, of the penalties was outstanding and we kind of sat there thinking, crikey, is anybody ever even going to miss? I mean, they were nearly all in the, the side netting, as in, you know, the, the right side of the side netting. Um, almost, I think maybe only two might have been able to be saved. But, yeah, I mean, Keller's done, done fabulous and his his, pen, his penalty just showed, well, he's got massive cojones. So, um, and generally, if you look at the competition and the games that Liverpool played in the competition, He's he's been one, if not the outstanding player of all the games.
3: It's really interesting that Klopp decides to stick with him and play. It's obviously an an agreement he had, but we know so many managers... Break those agreements and go. I'm sorry. Mm. I need to win the trophy, and Klopp does need to win trophies as well. Like he, his, his record in cup finals is not amazing, um, no. and so it would have been easy for him to look. Quibin, I'm really sorry. If if we win, you know, we'll give you the win bonus. You'll you'll get the performance bonus. Don't worry about it. I, I've got your back. But actually, to go and follow through, it it just speaks to somebody who's actually a good person as well as a good manager. Yeah,
4: yeah, yeah. No, ab- absolutely right. I mean, he told he told him. Um, at least a month ago, if if not longer, that he was going to play in the final. So, and if you think about it, I mean, he he doesn't, you know, when you talk about Manchester United and they said rumours coming out from the dressing room and all that kind of thing, which you always get at all clubs, you don't get any of that at Liverpool. And I think it's because when when he leaves players out, he pulls them in and says, right, you know, you're not playing tomorrow, but in two games when we've got Brighton away, you are definitely going to play. So he's always given that the disappointed player something to look forward to. I think I think Fergie did it at Manchester United coming towards the end of his career, and and he'd, he'd do exactly the same thing. So he's he's just an outstanding manager. Obviously, I'm biased, but he's an outstanding manager, and he's also an outstanding bloke as well. You just that that comes through and when you meet him. It's it's not it's not you know it's just evidence, he's like that with everybody in the football club, the manager, we know the the cleaning staff, everybody and the car park guy, it's just the way he is
5: How much does winning a trophy buy you a bit of credit with players like Cuevin Kelleher who maybe without that would be thinking to himself do I need to play more football? Uh, Does I guess winning that trophy yesterday make him think, listen I'm I'm here next season for sure Mm
4: -hmm. Um, Well of course he wants to play more football but then, so Say if if he went into Klopp and said, can you loan me out? And, um, you know, arguably he'd possibly go to another Premier League side, if not maybe go to the Championship. But if you really, really think about it, you know, in the small-sided games that they play in training and everything, so he's up against Salah and Mane and, you know, all, all these players. And surely you must learn nearly every single day from them, and they are world class talent. And he's not going to go somewhere where he's going to p- be playing with world class players if, if he gets loaned out. So he's still young, obviously. You know, everybody likes him. He, he knows everybody likes him. He must absolutely love it at the football club as well. But I, I get the fact that you know, maybe maybe going the championship and get battered with all the crosses and the corners coming in and all that kind of stuff. But I, I just don't see the manager unless he got another outstanding number two. I don't think he'd ever. You'd ever load him out. Why would you? I mean, Adrian, I mean, no. Um, so that's where you've got to keep him, I think. Come cool. Or keep him with the first team.
5: Absolutely. Well, it 100% makes sense from Liverpool's perspective. Like, I guess my question is, is he playing enough football to keep him satisfied? And I mean, in competitive matches.
4: Um, <laughs> we'd have to ask him. I, mm. I, I don't. I mean, if, listen, I would suggest that probably, yes, because the evidence is there that when he comes into the team, especially in the Carabao Cup competition, he's been outstanding in every game. And, you know, he saved penalties all the way through. He's been the hero on a few occasions as well. And it's it's all part of the learning process, isn't it? And the thing is, the the manager will manage this situation with him. And I I really don't think it's an issue. I don't don't think we're here in another two or three weeks. Well, you know. Played in all those games in the Carabao Cup, and I want to go out alone. I just, I just don't see that happening.
5: And he could have, he could literally have a double in goals as well. Like he's, he's going to start against Norwich midweek as well, no doubt.
4: Well, Taylor be coming out in a rash, will not he? Two consecutive games. wow <laughs>
5: <laughs> yeah. No, things that things that have gone pretty well for him. Like outside of that, then when when you're kind of going through, uh, picking through the wreckage of what was a pretty mental 120 minutes of, of football, Mark. Was it a situation where Liverpool would be counting their blessings, or is it a situation where the Van Dyke offside call was was such a, a grey one that you're thinking they deserve to win this anyway?
4: Well, I mean, I mean, Tottenham will be complaining. Oh, sorry, Tottenham, what am I on about? Um, Chelsea will be complaining about you know the, the 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 things that went against them in the game. I think Liverpool were quite open actually defensively, which is most unusual for them. Um, but it's it's a cup final. All you can do is win it. And Does it really matter if you win it on penalties? No, absolutely, totally doesn't. But I, I just love, I just love the game. I mean, any one of those two teams could have could have won it quite easily, and the other one couldn't have complained because there's just lots and lots of chances. And by the way, they were they were really outstanding chances. They weren't half chances, most of them. So I think in, as long all you can do in the final is win. And I think as a manager. You, you don't worry about the performance, it's just all about the winning and then you move on, obviously.
3: Was there much talk around Wembley about the Abramovich statement and, and the nonsensical, oh, I'm I'm not really the owner anymore, I'm handing it over to my charitable trust, who will maybe run this for me until I can just come back and take it over again?
4: Um, nah, a, a little bit, but I think I think when when, when you, you talk about it and you realise why he's, what he's talking and what he's talking about and then you realise what's happening in the Ukraine, it's like, you know, really... Um, And it it was just a nothing statement anyway. So um, it'll be really interesting to see what goes on at that football club. I know know the guy, uh, Bruce Book, I've I've been in his company a few times. He's a a really nice fella, very, very intelligent. And I would have thought if he's allowed, um, along with the lady whose name I always forget at at Chelsea, that he'll, he'll, he'll be able to sort it all out. But the Abramovich thing was just it was just a nothing it was like really is that it so um, I think it showed him up for what he is I'm afraid and the fact that you know in his statement he didn't mention anything about you know Putin or what the Russians are doing or anything that, like that but that tells us everything we need to know do you think football will, will
3: get stronger with dealing with this we've seen other sports have been quite strong and we've seen proper sanctions like is there a possibility yeah. that he sells Chelsea or is forced to sell Chelsea
4: yeah, well, I think I think football will get stronger. I mean, you know, it's like, I mean, it's just absolutely crazy when you think about it and, you, you know, you turn the news on and stuff and, and see what's happening and then it, you know, it goes to the sport and you kind of go, wow, yeah, well, sport, we all love it and then, but really should we be loving it at the moment because of what's happening? So it's it's one of those things, but I, I, I do think, and I think generally, you know, a, a lot of nations now are coming out and saying, you know, nothing, no, want nothing to do with Russia. Don't want to ever play them. You know, all those kind of things and and stuff like that. So, so you know, that, that's a good thing. But if you think about it, it's it's unbelievable, isn't it? What's what's happening out there?
3: Yeah, it really is, and it's uh, kind yeah. of kind of terrifying in, in many respects yeah. as well.
4: It's like it's like what, you're actually watching history as it's being made. But the problem is, you know, as you're watching it, people are dying and kids and everything, and you just think. What the hell? I thought, you know, we're not all gone. What everyone went through, I think, in, in, in this country, certainly in the Second World War, you know, and they must think, what what on earth is this? You know, in the current climate that we're, that we're in, what we have nowadays, it's just bonkers.
3: Yeah, the Russian people obviously went through the same in the Second World War, yeah. and so there's definitely uh, institutional memory in that race of, of like how bad this could be and, and how bad it might get so um, yeah. against that backdrop we're all watching the football and trying to get distracted by it and I guess um, it's going to become more important to be distracted but also it, I, I can't shake the feeling of being a bit, a little bit guilty sitting on the couch watching football and enjoying it while at the same time all this is going on
4: All of us All of us I mean, you know obviously yesterday I'm at the game and, and um, I was like doing some work in one of the hospitality areas and all that and you know, you you wouldn't have known anything about what was happening in the Ukraine, in and around the game yesterday. And of course, these people that we were with had paid fortunes to go and watch the game, and you know, have a couple of beers and sit in comfort, relative comfort, all those kind of things. And it was just, it was just like, you know, at the time, everybody forgets what was happening in in, in the in the Ukraine, and obviously with Russia, etc. And they all had a good day, but. I'm sure. I mean, I, you know, my drive home was about four hours, and I was talking to my lad about it and everything. And we were saying, that, you know, how bonkers it was. And um, and he just, I said to him, was, you know, and he was he was obviously sat away from me in the middle of the loophole lot. And I said, I know the answer to this probably was anyone ever talking about, you know, the Ukraine? He went, No, dad, nothing. So it's mad, isn't it?
3: Yeah, it's going to be. It's definitely going to be more of a topic as as the sanctions begin yes. to kick and and as footballers yes. continue to talk about it as well. So they they definitely have a role to play in this. Um, let's talk about some of the actual football on the field then. Uh, what's going on with Manchester City? Is it anything other than a couple of hard games? And uh, are we to read anything into the fact that they're not swatting everybody aside the way they were a couple of weeks ago?
4: No, I know. I don't think so. I mean. Um Tottenham have always, in the last few seasons, I think Tottenham have done really well against Manchester City, haven't they? They're a bit, they were a bit naive that day. I thought uh, City, which unusual for them. Obviously, uh, the, the weekend against Everton, I mean, they have got away with one, but you know, good luck to them. I mean, I mean that that decision about it wasn't handball is just staggering when you consider that somebody is sat in London watching all the different angles of the picture of of, of the. Handball and decided no, get on with it. There's nothing wrong with it. And you think, oh, oh my goodness! And that was probably the worst ever decision Var have made. I can't, I can't think of a worse one. But City were pushing and pushing, and eventually they got the goal, haven't they? Look, they're they're an outstanding side. I, I don't, I don't see them having a blip. But it just shows you what pressure can do. And you know, as we've said all along this season, and. and when Liverpool have been chasing them, it's it's far easier to chase. Um, and to be chased is much more difficult, especially in sport, most definitely, because there is that little sense of looking over your shoulder. And then if one or two of the players are thinking, oh, well, they're going to catch us, they're going to catch us, we're going to have a wobble and all those kind of things. And I think they're probably playing a little bit like that. And probably the performance at Everton was that, I think, thinking... Well, you know, if we lose here today, look where Liverpool will be and all those kind of things. And um, But they got through it, which is a sign of an outstanding team. And, and Everton actually played really, really well. I thought they were very, very competitive and had their own chances. But City won, which is for them is, is, is massive.
5: When you talk about that pressure there, Mark, how, how's that manifesting itself in these Manchester City performances?
4: Well, I, ju- I, ju- I just think because they've been cruising. Generally, throughout the course, course of the season, they've been cruising because they've been brilliant. And, you know, I don't use that word, word lightly. They have been brilliant and their performances and, you know, no number nine and all those kind of things, et cetera. All the chances they've made, all the goals that they've scored, all all those kind of things. But, you know, they're obviously human. And I think you do, it's, it's you get one or two people in the team and generally you he doesn't make too many changes, not from his best team anyway, Guardiola. But sometimes, occasionally, one or two things. The, the pressure gets to them, which is daft when you consider that they're expected to win every game and win it like three or four nil. But but all of a sudden, this kind of on the horizon, this team appears, and 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 it appears with the fact that you know Liverpool are going so so well, scoring so many goals. They've got everybody fit, no long term injuries. Um, he's basically got two players for every position, now Klopp as well. And one or two of the City lads are thinking, well, they might catch us. And once you start to think that way, and you can't be bloody minded enough about it. I, I, think, I think cracks start to appear and, you know, it, it becomes different. But I would still back Tottenham, I would still back Man City to win the league.
5: Like it's interesting just in terms of how that actually changes Manchester City though, over, over the next little while it, because if we read into Saturday a little bit too much or look into that in, in isolation it does seem that maybe Manchester City struggles to create the volume of chances that we're used to seeing from Manchester City now, I'm not sure if that's down to Everton and, and a really good setup from from I think,
4: them I, I think that's down to Everton right. that, that was down to Everton at the weekend definitely okay.
3: fair enough they're still at shots on target it's um and and on a normal day, you'd think they'd probably have scored more. are Everton uh, showing any signs of life under lampards
4: yeah yeah i thought i thought uh, i thought Saturday's, Saturday's performance was really good, I mean, you know no Calvert lewin as well, so I, I just think what it showed is, is is this fight there which is which is a big thing Because if you're down the bottom of the league, if, if you look at your, your players and you're thinking one or two don't quite fancy it here, it's you know. Um, it's muck and nettles in, in in many respects no i think i think i think and I, the the crowd were great the crowd had been good with uh, frank lamport i think they realized that you know g- give him a chance he had obviously all sorts of different managers all sorts of different changes at the football club and, and which have been absolutely mad and the money that they spent etc cetera, etc cetera. but i think i think they'll be okay to be honest with you um the spirit they've got they've got looks like they've got a really good spirit which is at the bottom of the league, that's like the very least you should have. Leeds have sacked
3: Bielsa. Was it inevitable after the run of results or should they have stuck it and let him see um, if he could rescue it? Do
4: you know what? I, I, I think obviously they sacked him because of the results, but also I think because he can't change. He's actually, in the last number of games, he's, he's actually, for, for somebody... You know the ways and the team playing, etc. I mean, last year they were they were outstanding, and the the, uh, the performances and the improvement of the players in the team was was outstanding. It's, beco- it's become a bit of a dinosaur, and look, you know, if if you can't defend, especially in the in the Premier League, you, you're going to struggle. And It's not, you know, you can't defend. It's just a number of goals, and also. Also, the way the goals have, have come in and, you know, a lot of them have been team goals from the opposition, playing from the back, playing through them and, and, and everything. And, and, you know, this team has scored excellent goals, but also very, very simple goals against Leeds. And, after, you know, the, yes, they're missing players. Yeah, you know, of course they miss Phillips. Of course they miss Bamford. But, but you know, plan A doesn't work, but he's reverted to plan A, hasn't he? That, that's basically what he's done he, he just doesn't seem to be able to change it instead of going right you know what we're going to we're going to play a different way still with energy but probably with more defensive organisation and with a, with an eye at thinking right let's be a bit more defensive but it, he just he just didn't do it um and i think that's been his his downfall to be honest with you uh,
5: at the same time how many of those outfield players with the exception of Rafinha do you think would get picked up by premier league teams in the summer if they get relegated
4: yeah, so you're not saying Phillips and Bamford. Sorry, Sarah yes, injured. the fit,
5: fit players. Yeah, if, if we're kind of looking at the players he's had to work with this season, the um, majority of this season.
4: Um, there, there wouldn't there wouldn't be many, but I mean, you know, I mean, I don't take take Ailey in the right back. I mean, I think he's a really good player and can play centre back as well, but he's he's not had a good season. And the goalkeepers look what he is, which is a, a young goalkeeper making mistakes. And I know Cooper's not been playing, and and you know, generally looking at Cooper, you think well. He's half a yard too slow, but you know he, he can defend. And if he, you know, if he circled the troops around him, you know, he's a head kick it centre back. But there, there wouldn't, there would not be many. But um, they shouldn't be where they are, quite honestly. And I, I just do think, and um, it's just like he's, he's not been working on them in in the midweek or before the games as in making it difficult for for teams to play against them because they are just as as open as a barn door to be honest with you you saw saw Tottenham's goals at the week and saw Liverpool's goals in midweek and that became a bit embarrassing in all all honesty for Leeds
3: yeah Villa were doing the same thing against them and if they hadn't conceded two bad goals against them it would have been six defeats in a row and it it, it, it became inevitable in the end Um, the relegation battle is going to be interesting they're getting sucked back into it uh Everton are right there, Brentford are right there, Newcastle starting to show a bit of form, Burnley are showing a bit of form. It's about as much as we could have hoped for really at that end of the table too. So yeah. plenty to get stuck but into. It's,
4: a... it's going to be good, isn't it? I mean it's not for them but it's, it's 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 like a it's like a mini league that, down at the bottom. But um I mean you, you've got to you've got to credit Newcastle because they, they've done excellent um and the players that he's bought so far who are playing regularly Obviously, I've got a bit of hunger for the battle, and they understand what's happening. And you know, yeah, of course, they're getting good money and well paid. Well, good luck to them because they're performing, and the, the run's very, very good indeed, isn't it? And transformation of Linton and people like that is just like wow. Um, but ah, I mean, Norwich, Norwich are going to go. I think, I think Watford ultimately will go. And, and as to the other one, I mean. Brentford are sink, uh, sinking like a stone, but I think Eriksson will, will, will definitely make a difference to them. Um, I think Leeds will be okay and, and, and Everton will be okay, and I don't, you know, Burnley obviously just started to turn the corner, but I'm still not, sh- I'm still not sure about Burnley staying up this year. I think this might be the year that they fall into that trap.
3: All right, Mark, we leave it there for now. Thanks a million. Cheers thank you it's Mark Larenson giving us some thoughts on a big win for Liverpool in the cup final big day for Queeving Kelleher big day for Cork all round like I mean it's
5: um, it, is, it, is, it is a bit of a fairy tale story isn't it like I mean we're not just looking at this through green tinted glasses calling it that
0: no like, it, there would it, have been
5: a general appreciation it, for the this sub-keeper regardless
3: subkeeper scores the winning penalty yeah. and does he does he out psych the the king of the psych outs like did, did, did you see the the look that Van Dyke made a point of looking at Kepa afterwards. Yeah, he was. He was. I can't say the word, but with his eyes. Yeah, yeah, uh, and with a bit of his mouth. Um. Uh, uh, you know they they didn't like they didn't like what Kepa was doing. No, like uh, Liverpool also
5: knew that there was a big advantage to going first. And they were like, we're going to rub this in at every available opportunity. And if the tables were turned a little bit and, and Kepa had banged in a, a penalty and Grieving Keller all of a sudden had a penalty to take to to save Liverpool as opposed to, to win the thing for them, it might have been a higher pressure scenario. But they knew they knew that they were in the ascendancy once they got the first penalty and, and they took huge advantage of it. It just could not have worked out any better. And it's remarkable that a goalkeeper is going to be remembered for a cup final for uh, doing anything
3: but what goalkeepers used to do, which was save shots uh, Yeah, I mean there was a lot of goal scorers yeah, they were just all offside, or were they? Yeah. Uh, OTBA I'm brought to you by Gillette Good morning, start with Gillette, but your best face forward with our new and improved Razor It's 8.35 this morning, we need to uh, bring you the newspapers um, We can start with otbsports.com with Jimmy Carrer talking about Cuevin Keller Cuevin Keller is a hero um, Ireland won't have to be super clinical that's the analysis that you can hear a little bit later on about our uh, game at Twickenham Manchester United's younger players are letting Cristiano Ronaldo down. That was Keith Tracy's take uh, in commentary yesterday. And uh, Inaccurate Ireland wins sloppy spectacle against 13-man and ultimately 12-man Italy. So the headlines from the newspapers. This is the Telegraph. Uh, Russia cast into football wilderness, kind of, um, in that FIFA hasn't officially said anything other than you can probably still play all your games and we'll try and make everybody play against you. Back page of the London Times. FIFA refuses to expel Russia, which I think is a more accurate take on it. Uh, Leeds close in on an American. The American Jesse Marsh is in talks to become the new Leeds United head coach after the club sacked Marcello Bielsa. Of course, the Aston Villa owner... Sorry, the Aston Villa. The 49ers owners are big uh, shareholders in Leeds, so it'll be interesting to see if they're starting to exert any influence. And Jones judges at the World Cup. Eddie Jones has his eyes on the prize, which is the World Cup, not the Six Nations. Uh, Carabao Cup final. This is the uh, Guardian... Reds delight Liverpool win Carabao Cup after epic shootout and marsh to take the reins at Leeds after Bielsa sacking. I was disappointed Bielsa was sacked. It was no, like
5: like, yeah. like it's and I, I'm sure Leeds fans are, are devastated as well because like it, it's almost exactly what Mark Lawrence was was criticizing him for there is the exact thing that made us all love him was that he was beautifully stubborn and he was so set in his ways and he was married to playing this great style of football that yes it it led to them getting hammered quite a bit but I'm not necessarily sure if uh, kind of a more rigid style of play would have necessarily put them in any better stead. to be honest they were excellent last season like three of um, like certainly two of the most important players have been injured for the entire year and I'm not convinced that that team outside Rafinha, as I said earlier on, is any good. And I'm not sure many of them outside Rafinha would get picked up
3: by Premier League club if they go down this year. We'll see, perhaps. Um, although, I mean, is it possible they both go down? It is, really, at this stage, isn't it? Like, I I think that them and Brentford could both go down. Oh, you think? Yeah, yeah. The best number two goalie in the world, Klopp hails Corkman-Kelleher after a dramatic shootout victory. I did that terrible thing of looking up spot track. I don't know how accurate their details are on contracts but Kepa signed like a deal which is 8 million a year for 7 years 56 million when he signed for Chelsea Spotrac have it that Kelleher gets 350 grand a year 1.5 million over 5 years this seems unfair
2: it, it, it seems does unfair. it
3: does yeah it's it's obviously not a bad bad wedge to be getting, and uh, oh, but it, gonna, it, is there trophy bonuses? Well, I, there there may well be a trophy bonus that might be worth that could have been worth a million quid. You don't know Like yeah. that, that type of thing that they're like, hey, look, we we'll play you here, you know, and if we win that, we'll give you because that's not you know they, uh, that's the basic. You would hope that there's incentives, and I presume every time he plays, he gets more money as well. But um, clean sheet bonus. Thank you VAR Potentially Clean sheet yesterday You would would definitely hope That there is an opportunity For him Because it's just like With Dean Henderson Earns in Three weeks Is he Probably The same Probably Roughly Yeah That's not fair now, I mean, come on,
5: come on, Liverpool. But that could be the real story here about whether or not even Keller
3: will stay or go is, is that as opposed to how many games he's playing. Yeah, well, so we, the new deal only got signed late last year, I think, anyway. So, uh, Dubs being left behind. Look at this, it's good, isn't it? It's a good, good picture in the front of the. I mean, we're not going to rub this in too much, but we're going to enjoy it a little bit, right? No, I mean this is your day. This is not this is not uh, this is not my day. This is I'm, this is I mean the rest rubbing. of the country is going to enjoy it though, right? A little bit. We're we're free from the tyranny of the Dublin footballers. Yeah, like I definitely think that there is also I think that the
5: uh, tyrannical nature has definitely existed now in a way where people are like they'll come back eventually and uh, they could still win the all ireland this year. I think that there's still a bit of a an after effect going on of
3: But is Dean Rock going to miss no. freeze when the game is on in Croker? Cuz he, he missed free like Towards the end of the game yesterday, that would have just put the heebie-jeebies up the Kildare.
5: Yeah, possibly not. And there are obviously going to be improvements here and there. But I guess I say, this is this is your moment. This is you should have come in in the Kildare jersey. No, today. no, no, no. Uh, Brady's family ham having their day
3: in the sun. Postman celebrate delivery of mail. I don't I think know. so. Yeah, it's true. Although the mail was like big and boxy and new, and we were unboxing it yesterday, I was like, yes. <laughs> uh, Lily White's put blues on. Drop red alerts it's a lot of games to lose in a row isn't it that's the thing yeah it's a lot of games and and in a lot of not different ways but
5: like different venues kind of different weaknesses coming up and the only thing that's been consistent is just the amount of losses Uh, Jeepers Kepas
3: doesn't really work does it
5: not well, not for me. But I mean, it's it's all up to you. Maybe there are people out there who look at Kepper and say, Kepa. "You know what? I'm am pr- pronouncing his name." Kepa's, Kepa. Kepa's. Yeah.
3: You see, that's it's you gotta you gotta put yourself in the East End white boy exactly um, voice. That uh, Doves look like they're fed up with football. This the same as piece today. It's like ah, they don't care about it anymore. They they don't have the bottle for it. Uh, we've just got to suck it up, Farrell. It's it's difficult now when um, we have the Dublin coach and the Ireland coach. Double manager in the Ireland coach having the same surname because you're like what Andy Farrell saying no he's back in this oh it's Desi Farrell okay right I was like the game yeah, the game wasn't that like uh, heaven for Cal do you getting this one yeah I'm having that one you're having it having it twice I'm having it twice yeah I'm heaven okay for Cal yeah heaven for Cal it's heaven for Cal the sun going with the indefinite article am I right am I got the wrong papers I do have the wrong papers. No, yeah, The Star. The headline's so good, they wrote it twice. Mm-hmm. What? When they, when that happens, when the sub editors of two rival newspapers wake up and they... Sing, oh, I can't talk what is it like that? They just they were thinking to themselves, I should have gone for Jeepers, Keppa. It's like um, that South Park episode that was obsessed with The Simpsons. The Simpsons did it. Sim- have you seen that one? Yeah, I have, actually, yeah. Uh, uh, alive alive oh Dublin defeat breathes life into Leinster you see what they've done Leinster is alive this is what it feels like to be alive uh, Pointless Dublin are facing the very real possibility of relegation after they crash to a fourth straight defeat in Division 1 Taution Cup for Dublin twenty twenty four. anybody Imagine. anyone
5: having Imagine. is it possible no it's not it's not possible
3: and there's the high tackle that ruined the game on the front of the Irish, and the Irish Times uh, Farrell sees positives and facile win uh, double red card for this fence. Two men sent off as a result of this, but the laws are great. We have great laws. Who are you to question our laws, boy? That's the that's the problem with that one, isn't it? All right. Eight forty two this morning. If you want to get in touch, we'd love to hear from you. Oh eight seven nine one eighty one eighty is the WhatsApp number. You can leave a comment in the YouTube stream. Is there anybody out there to defend the laws of the game? Rugby usante valer. Where are your values rugby? Well our values are Sending, same, sending two people off For one offence That's what we believe in preventing Double cheats, punishment Preventing cheats That's where the values are And I'm okay with that Yeah You're on board with it You thought it was a great rule I, 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 can, I can understand Some of the why Not all of the why But some of the why But understanding some of the why And defending it Oh it, it comes from a good place It's a stupid outcome It's an idiotic outcome it's, ah, it's yeah, like it's it makes no sense like I, I, I <laughs> it, it makes some sense it oh, make, it it's just, like over your three star Michelin like, dinners. like oh what are we going to do well
1: it's enough two people ah, that's a great idea mm-hmm.
3: that's what happens yeah exactly I mean most of those
5: Michelin star dinners don't make sense anyway no they don't was, so I mean that's the whole point
3: we're going to eat the skull of the Italians what was it what was it, what was it? The, the, the mouth it was the, the it was the impression taken of the chef's mouth that you had to eat out of in that uh, three star review that went viral. Well, that's that's what the that's, the uh, idea. that's what they were doing. Colin Maloney is here to inject a bit of sanity into the proceedings this morning. Colin, good morning to you. How are you?
2: That's not too bad. Not we're, too bad. We
3: should start with the golf and, and Shane Lowry. You haven't got enough love on the show this morning.
2: Yeah, um, I guess disappointment in the end for him. Uh, lost by a shot. Didn't quite get there. Nine under par. He finished. Seb Straka was the winner on ten under at the Honda Classic last night. Now Lowry has been speaking afterwards, and he said that it was possibly the worst luck he's had of his career the heavens just opened as he got to the 18T that was a par 5 that he needed to uh, Stracca made birdie ahead of him so he needed to birdie to force a playoff and uh, he didn't manage it he made 5 Straka made 4 and he won by a shot and 10 under Uh, Lowry played really well 67 bogey free he said that he felt like he did everything to win the tournament but just unfortunate on the last that that heavy rain came down when it did and that Impacted him in terms of his tee shot. So, for example, I think Straka hit a three thirty four off the tee. He had just teed off before the rain came down, and then Larry hit it off the tee. He only hit a two forty one, so he couldn't oh. go for the green and two. Okay. Uh, so that's what in- he laid up and wasn't able to make four. Um, but really good. I mean, the Players Championship is coming up um, in mid March, and then obviously the Masters in April. So, a good period ahead hopefully for him if he can maintain that form but second place on his own last night so reasonable performance all round Okay, a good six weeks now would really set him up for a brilliant year wouldn't it? Yeah it would I mean this is the time of year to be coming into form with as I say the Players Championship I think is from the 10th to 13th of March and then the Masters in in April um, and then obviously you've got your summer tournaments and he'd probably come back and play a little bit in Europe as well and the Open Championship obviously is a tournament that's close to his heart now after winning it in uh, 19 so for him I guess Seamus Power has probably taken a lot of the the limelight from an Irish point of view in the early part of the year and he'd actually moved ahead of Lowry in the rankings uh, but I would suspect that Lowry would move up after his finish last night but look at him, we all know the talent he has so uh, hopefully he can, as you say, have a good six or eight weeks and that'll set him up nicely for the summertime. All right, what else is going on? Well, the Liverpool manager, Jurgen Klopp, has been speaking about queeping Callery. He says he put in an incredible performance in yesterday's Carabao Cup final. The Republic of Ireland International, of course, scored the winning penalty in their 11-10 shootout win over Chelsea at Wemi. That's after the game finished. Goalless after normal and extra time. The Chelsea stopper Kepa missing his spot kick in the shootout. West Ham, meanwhile, moved to within two points of fourth place Manchester United in the Premier League. Yesterday, they were 1-0 winners over Wolves. Uh, action tonight in the SSE or League Premier Division. Uh, Shamrock Rovers against Drogheda United in Talla is at eight o'clock. Then four games from seven forty-five. Derry City hosts Sligo Rovers. Derry beat Shamrock Rovers on Friday. UCD take on Damien Duff Shelburne. There's a Dublin derby between Bohemians and St. Pat's, and it's Dundalk against Finn Harps. Uh, in terms of the Russian situation in sport, FIFA have imposed a partial ban on Russian competing in international football amid the ongoing invasion of Ukraine. They must play their upcoming games on neutral territory under the name of the Football Union of Russia, without their flag and. National While the Chelsea Foundation trustees have not yet agreed to take over custody and care of the club as requested by their owner Roman Abramovich following russia's UK- invasion of ukraine the six trustees want more information about whether running the premier league side would be compatible with uk charity law and it's understood the foundation's lawyers are now working to see whether what uh, Abramovich is proposing can actually be put into effect uh, in terms of the rugby yesterday course mentioned already ireland scored nine tries in their win over italy yesterday at uh, 13 man italy andy farrell side 57 points to six winners at the aviva stadium setting them up nicely uh, for the remainder of the campaign, uh, in Gaelic games, Dublin's search for first win in this year's Allianz Football League continues. They remain rooted to the bottom of the Division One table after their one twelve to twelve points defeat to Kildare yesterday. Kerry continued their good form, good win over Monaghan three fourteen to one twelve, while Mayo finished strongly to beat Armagh by fifteen points to one ten. At Dr Hyde Park in Division 1. In hurling, Limerick remained without a win so far in Division 1A. They lost to Cork by 2.19 to one thirteen yesterday in a repeat of last year's All Ireland final. Henry Shefflin's Galway slumped to a first defeat of the campaign. They lost to Wexford by 2.15 to 15 points, while Clare beat Offaly by 4.20 to 16 points. And in Division 1B, Waterford beat Antrim by 3.21 to 2.22 at Corrigan Park, while Kakenny were 2.28 to 17 point winners over Leash and elsewhere and Gaelic Games yesterday in Division 1A of the the Little Ladies National Football League may obey Galway by 6-6 to 2-8 and a good result for the Irish basketball team last night as well as they beat Cyprus in their Eurobasket 2025 pre-qualifier. They won by 83 points to 75 after overtime at the National Basketball Arena and that leaves Ireland third in Group A ahead of matches against Austria and Switzerland in the summertime.
3: There was a lot of disappointment at the end of the first weekend of the SSE Electricity uh, League of Ireland Premier Division because so many teams hadn't had games and games had been cancelled and we kind of were a bit concerned that there would be a massive advantage for those teams who did have games but uh, the back-to-back fixtures this weekend uh, tonight's fixtures are set up very nicely after what happened on Friday night where uh, Rovers got beaten and uh, Shelburne got off the mark and it was just like OK, this is good
2: Yeah, absolutely Uh, Great finish up in the Brandywell as well for that match between Shamrock Rovers and Derry City and huge appetite for the League of Ireland at the moment I'll be interested to see what the crowds are like tonight on a Monday night rather than the last two rounds of fixtures being on weekend nights with Fridays and Saturdays. But, um, yeah, I think there's a huge amount of positivity. Obviously, Shelburne, as you say, getting up and running and Shamrock Rovers will have to bounce back tonight. Um, St. Pats were beaten on Friday night as well. That's going to be an interesting game between them and Bulls tonight. And then, obviously, uh, Dundalk played quite well against uh, Bohemians. I think the league is going to be is going to be really, really interesting throughout the course of the season. So long as Rovers don't run away with it. that's the. A... Yeah, I don't think they will, though. I think Derry City have enough in their squad to suggest that they can definitely keep pace. And I think St. Pats will consider themselves as title contenders as well. Beyond that, Sligo Rovers, Bohemians, uh, I'd say will be content with the European place uh, this year if they can manage it. I think Shelburne, I think under Damien Duff, they, they will challenge definitely for a top-half finish. Um, and then obviously you've got Dundalk as well. So there's loads of teams in there Um, but I suppose it'll be six or eight rounds before we get a a full sense but I sense that Derry City will be up there alongside Shamrock Rovers I think come the end of the season
3: Alright Carl. good stuff, thanks million for that Uh, That's Carl Lallani, you can read more from him on otbsports.com across the day It's 8.50, OTBIM is brought to you by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day Now, Alan Quinlan is with us Alan, good morning to you, how are you?
0: Morning Ger, how are you?
3: We're delighted, delighted that we get to talk about the laws of the game again and again and again and again Um, Owen's been trying to defend them wholeheartedly here he's a a fully paid up member of the Alicadoos club that's like no the laws are perfect how else are we going to stop cheats from cheating if we don't make laws like this but um, maybe when you make a law you're supposed to think through what the repercussions of it might be
0: yeah I think when when the law changed um, it was obviously done to stop teams who were getting dominated in their scrums from cheating and, and faking injuries and taking off their props And then their scrum wouldn't be getting pushed backwards and that they could possibly win the game and take away that advantage from the opposition. So the reason this law change came in, that if you end up with uh, a couple of props going off injured or or front row players and the players that come on, another one goes off and you have to have uncontested scrums, that if it goes to that situation, that um, you have to reduce reduce the number of players in the field and take another uh, another player off. So it's to stop teams from doing that. Obviously, if it happens in a game, well, because it's an uncontested scrum, you're taking away one, one of the big strengths of the opposition. If they are dominating you, um, it, it tries to change that. These circumstances, the circumstances that happened yesterday are, are kind of unprecedented when you have Lucchese, the Italian hooker, starting hooker, He goes off with a dislocated elbow. Then Faiva gets sent off. I think a change in the law or a tweak in the, the law that's been brought in to stop the cheating would be to give the discretion to the referee. In other words, these are exceptional circumstances. He's seen a player go off with a dislocated elbow. He's sent off the other player. So can he... Can he have discretion there and, and 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 allow them to not reduce the number of players? People have said that to me yesterday. But then, if he does that,
3: does he have discretion uh, to allow them to have contested scrums? Is it automatic that you can't the, have contested? You see, scrums?
0: this 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 is the prop. No, it's not. The law would allow you to to have contested scrums. Um, uh, Neymar came on the field yesterday. The, the sole Italian prop. Um, Italy would have had to said he would have had to say I'm happy to play hooker and have contested scrums with their their captain Campanaro and actually argue that point out with the referee and say no we're fine he's fine um, and we want to have contested scrums and I was surprised that like they did try and argue that a little but bit but the captain seemed to be
3: trying that and then but it seemed like it was, the referee yeah. was saying no 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 I I can't be any well, more clear.
0: That's what I thought. Um, that he was dismissing it. Um, if the law would a if 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 Italy wanted to put him in as a hooker and say we want full contested scrums and normality here, they wouldn't have had to reduce the player. They didn't argue that point strong enough, and that was an issue. Maybe it was down to the language barrier or, or not being able to translate that question that that point across, but. I was surprised that they didn't because the law does allow you, if you can bring the player on, and it's not about nominating before the game. It's about saying the, the player who came on himself, "I've played hooker before, I can play here, no problem." Um, and that didn't happen, which was which was a shame because look the crowd, the atmosphere, everything just seeped out of the stadium after that, and um, it was a, it was a kind of far skill situation at one stage and I think 75 minutes um, Bram Stane was, was sin in as well so they were down to 12 players um, which was you know it's a shame really I, I think Ireland would have wanted to to kind of been and would have expected to be 30 points up in midway through the second half um, that's what they were up I think it was 36-6 and and one stage and you know, obviously they were playing with thirteen players. So what went wrong for Ireland? Why didn't they score more points? Um I think mentally they kind of switched off a little bit as well and lost their focus. So it was a it was a kind of a farcical situation. But the law that's there is there for a reason. And this is this is really important that people understand the teams have exploited that situation before when their scrum has been under pressure. They're winning in a game and they're trying to you know, fake injuries to to take away dominance from the opposition scrum. Um, if you get to that situation, that, you've got to that's, take a player that,
3: off. That's fine, right? That, but there should be a different scenario where, if the if you're um, taking out somebody from the front row because of a red card, the red card then automatically is a double punishment, and that makes no sense in any sport ever to to well, punish it, two yeah, players the, the, the for the same incident.
0: The circumstances are different, so and when, it's not entirely unprecedented. This, like you
3: can, you can game this through and go. Well, what happens if it's a red card? Well, in that case, actually, that's different. We've enforced, you know, some foul play has occurred, and to send two players off for the same foul play it doesn't make any sense. Like that, they haven't cheated in this instance.
0: There's a difference. Correct. where... <laughs> that's what know. I was talking about having discretion and the referee actually said, and maybe tweaking that law to say that. Look, if there is a red card, they haven't taken somebody off or somebody's not. You know, got got an injury there, a legitimate injury, because the first one was a legitimate injury. Lucchese went off with a dislocated elbow. Then it's a red card. So maybe that's what needs to happen now. That if there's a red card involved in this, but then, you know, there, there's a punishment. It's a double punishment. They've already lost the player. Yeah, and I think it's harsh. It's and no, a one, no one's going to get a red card.
3: No one's going to get a red card on purpose. There's no, no, no team's going to so, go. Oh, we're going to get this guy sent off so we can go to uncontested scrums. That doesn't make any sense. That's not how the teams are cheating. It's like they didn't bother thinking this through to the end. Well, what if it's a red card where somebody goes off? It's like oh, well, look,
0: sure. yeah. When it was when 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 the law was brought in, it was down to props getting or hookers getting injured or faking injury, um, and it on to uncontested scrums. And look, if 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 a team ended up with uncontested scrums, the probability, Gerald, is this doesn't happen till maybe. The 60 or 70th menace, Do you know what I mean? If yeah. guys are getting injured, that's that's probably the reality. So, if you were to play the last 10 or 15 minutes with 14 men, you're not really going to be going crazy over that. If the law was adopted in 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 for the reason it's brought in, but because it happened so early, yes, and because there's the red card, um, yeah. and again, probably debate around the red card a little bit. Um, I, I'm probably z- fairly close to zero tolerance on the high hits um, but partly just felt sorry for Faida yesterday but your letter to law situation again it was a red card um, some argue that maybe it was a little bit hard I think if he gave a yellow for that yesterday it was one of those ones where if the referee gives a yellow we're, Ireland are not going to be up in arms after the game over it um, but it just made it a whole farcical situation, um, and it was a shame, really, wasn't it?
3: Yeah. Um, in terms of the the injuries, Andrew Andrew Porter went off with a, an ankle injury, and um, they took him off really quickly because obviously you don't want to take any risks for it. But if if he was to be missing. Uh, if Robbie Henshaw has a HIA, afterwards they said he he looked fine and he got through the protocols, but he should be available. Is there anything we learned about selection? Is it automatic sex and starts now against England? The the consensus afterwards seemed to be that Joey Carby didn't do enough.
0: Um, Yeah, that's probably, that's the reality. I think um, it didn't suit Carby either because I think, if Ireland were playing against 15, I think they would have played a lot better and they would have been a lot more energetic and a lot more conscious of sending numbers to the breakdown. You saw Ireland had four or five penalties against them at the breakdown, which was kind of alarming in in a sense that a team with 13 players can do that to them. Um But for me, that says it's a, it's a mental thing. It's players who probably didn't feel the panic or the fear or the need to, to get into the breakdown quicker with, with players carrying the ball. Um, lots of players probably standing off, looking for space, hoping to get line breaks, hoping to get the ball in their hands. And that seeped right across the team. So, um, you know, Carberry, the, the game just got very, very kind of loose and Ireland seemed to lose their focus. When Sexton came on, there seemed to be a bit of a change. It was like, this is how we're doing it. This is the. This is where we're going to attack, um, and this is. I'm laying down the law here, and obviously you can do yeah, that with authority you, and, and you experience. Can, I, and yeah, I just it so um, much better.
3: I, I look. I, I accept that it. Um, it looks different, but it was against 13 men Italians who were absolutely exhausted after an hour. Where yeah. you would expect whoever's coming off the bench to have a bit of an impact. So, like, I, I just want to cool the jets on that. It was one of his all-time absolutely. Great and performances. And I,
0: agree, I, I agree. I agree with you as well. It's, it's, um, it was disjointed from all the players, I think, and and that was. Um, that was a shame for for, for Carberry as well because uh, I think uh, the, the feeling and I, I be, a lot of the players said it, they would have probably preferred uh, and we shouldn't kind of be feeling sorry for the Italians here, you know, I think, but the reality is Ireland probably would have played better if there was if there was more players. That sounds crazy because if you have a numerical advantage in, in, in games, you should be exploiting uh, the opposition and the space more but you can imagine if you're an Italian player there, Jer. you're actually, it's pure desperation and it really kind of, your mind should be focused anyway, but absolutely desperation to hang on and scramble the fence and um, just really dig in and they showed a lot of steel and grit in doing that. And then the flip side of that, Ireland just got a little bit, lost their focus a little bit, lost their shape and probably expected it to happen a little bit. And that was evident at the breakdown for me because Ireland shouldn't get turned over four or five times in the breakdown, even against the top teams in the world. Um, you know, you're always gonna get caught a couple of times in a game. Campanaro, the, the back row, the open side, the captain was 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 brilliant brilliant. Lamaro, I should say, was absolutely brilliant in his um in his performances. I don't know why I'm calling him Campanaro. I think it's Lamaro. Um and I was so impressed with him yesterday. He was an absolutely uh, you know outstanding player. Um, but it was kind of a frustrating one for Ireland wasn't it well,
3: what about England then um, excellent in parts control the game but not particularly efficient with the control they had allowed Wales to get a sniff at the end even though Wales weren't really in the game at all so w- what to make of that performance
0: it's difficult because uh, Wales have improved obviously from that, that first game against Ireland um, England were quite blunt and not really sure between their power game and their attack game, where they're at really, you know, with with, with the players Eddie Jones has introduced and the type of game they're trying to play. Um, I think they were fortunate in the end and pretty relieved to be hanging on um, against Wales who, who reacted and were magnificent probably for the last 20, 30 minutes of the game and could have... Possibly won it. Um, England weren't great, and and it was it's it's hard to judge it as I said because Wales Wales improved a lot, but you know for 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 the try that England scored, just um, I think they were fortunate there in that out Itouge holds down the lifters, and and the ball goes over the back, and they score from that, and um, that's probably the game really for England, and. They kicked a lot. Um, their attack wasn't fluid like we expected. So, I don't know, it's hard to judge them, but on the evidence of what, what, is, what we saw at the weekend and what we've seen so far from England, um, a very, very risky thing to say, I'd be confident with Ireland going to Twickenham.
5: Like, this is, um, it's been an interesting couple of years. Like, if we look at, say, England coming to a nice peak for the World Cup and this kind of expectation that we're going through at the moment that England are going to be fine next year and if you're an English rugby supporter you can expect this 18 months to be a constant upward trajectory. Like in in the aftermath of the game on Saturday he was talking about the limitless potential uh, of his his attack. It's got no ceiling was uh, his reference to his attack. Like he referred to his team potentially becoming the greatest team of all time two years ago. Like I mean, Eddie Jones obviously talks... um, quite a big game as we all know but it seems that even some of the the terms that he's using about this England team are even a bit OTT from Eddie Jones himself so so what, what's the reasoning behind that and, and and is there any credence to it at all do you think?
0: Um, I don't know I, I, I obviously those comments were made um, and you know people set goals and, and sometimes as Irish uh, people were were nervous about kind of Shooting for the stars and saying it openly, he openly said that yes, they want to be the best team in the world and dominate, and be the greatest team ever. Um, they had probably potential to be and reason to be to be aiming that high, given where they were, you know, at the World Cup and the performance against New Zealand. And if they won a World Cup, um, they would have been on on the road to do that. He, there's been a lot of change in the team. The Vunapolo brothers gone. Um, Mano Langi was was obviously. Know, can be a world-class player when he's fit and available, and the depth, the depth chart that England can always kind of produce would would, would enable them to, to be one of the top teams in the world continuously and be up there or thereabouts. But um, I, I just don't think they're, you they know, what they're doing at the moment. There's been so many changes in the in the coaching team, coaches walking out, not wanting to work under Eddie Jones, stuff like that. Um, I'm not sure where they're at. There's some very, very good young players. Um, Stewart at fullback is, is is huge potential. He's big, physical, um, athletic player who's who's can be brilliant and and can really improve. Um, they've had a lot of injuries, but I just don't know. Wearing and like it was a it was a terrible, terrible game to watch on on Saturday. From particularly that first half, it was blunt, and maybe both teams were cancelling each other out, but. I just think England are, are a team that are not really sure what their best option is at the moment, whether it's power, whether it's attack. Um, and, and that was pretty evident on Saturday.
5: What do you think it is? Like, what, what is the best version of England?
0: I don't know, um, Owen, because you know the, the way they would have... When you play England, and, and back to when I was playing, you always fear about the power and the aggression up front and the physicality. And I'm not saying that they're not physical. You know, they're, they're they are very physical. Genge and Atogé, and even Dom Brent's coming in there. He offers them them a lot in attack and defense, and he's a big, athletic player. Um, but they're not overly dominant I, I, up front against teams at the moment. And then they're lacking a little bit of penetration that backline. They don't. I don't know. Have they any sort of X factor? Uh, Marcus Smith at out half is very, very talented, but. It's a bit. He's a bit like Joey Carbery in a sense that there's still a gap between him and what Owen Farrell has brought to England in the last number of years. Real steel, resolve, and I just watched Wales players continuously running into his channel and in the second half on Saturday and getting five, six, seven, eight yards over the game line. And when you do that against the opposition, well, then it's very hard to defend um, infield when you're getting over the game line so much one of England's big strengths in the last number of years and probably continuously has been stopping people on the game line, overpowering them, putting pressure to break down and just, you know, struggling, you're struggling to play against the men because you're on the back foot. But they're not really doing that against teams at the moment. So, uh, maybe we're being too harsh and too critical that they are in this major transition that maybe Eddie Jones doesn't mind um, that they're going through this period. But, you know, an English team at home in Twickenham, you think they'd be a little bit more dominant. Um, I don't think they were at risk of major risk of losing the game. They controlled it pretty well, but it was blunt and it was, it was, it was hard to watch at times on Saturday.
3: Having said all that, and and having said, that, you can feel pretty confident about us going to Twickenham. Um, we we have not used this as a testing ground for new players or for. Uh, anything other than trying to win the competition. So if we were to go to Twickenham and lose, it would be fairly devastating to the the
0: current... Uh, I don't think it would. I don't think so. But ha- why not? So. Like If, if we're, we're because, picking our best uh, team, Farless, we're trying to win. Andy Far- yeah. Andy Farrell probably capped up on 20 players since he's, he's come in. I don't think...
3: But he's he's not playing a lot of those in this competition. Like so Larry played yesterday. Larry's not going to start, Keenan's going to start. We know that. Mack Hansen has come in and that's really the only player who's come in and maybe Mack Hansen starts, maybe he doesn't, maybe James Lowe starts instead of him. Like it's a first choice team that we'll be going to England where you you don't really feel like England have evolved to the point yet they're in transition. Like does we have, to, we have to have high standards of ourselves, surely. We have to demand a win from our best team versus their kind of working things out team.
0: 100%, yeah, that, that's the point. I think um, you, can't, you can't... There's no way you can go to Twickenham and, and experiment because um, <clears throat> Ireland need to win this game. They need to try and challenge and win the championship as well and bring it to the last day. You know, the World Cup is the World Cup in 18 months' time. I think um, you can't just... There may be one or two positions where you there's a little bit of um, a chance taken on certain players, but you can't go to tricking them and, and, and completely experiment. And I think, look, my point about the players he's capped, he's built a lot of depth in this team. Um, look at the Ireland performance two weeks ago in Paris, making some mistakes, getting some kind of things wrong tactical things a couple of decisions that went against them particularly around the line out and they lost 6-0 against France who totally overpowered Scotland at the weekend and are setting themselves up nicely and it's hard to see anyone stopping them, you know I thought Scotland might have a chance at the weekend we now have to think maybe Cardiff, it might be tricky for them in Cardiff, um, which it will be but, um, or England may do us a favour in the end but you know Ireland have met a under Andy Farrell, he's done really, really well to, to start getting some depth in there. Yeah, um, obviously, you know, the Carberry situation yesterday, people would have loved that, you know, if he got a lot more game time and played better, the circumstances were crazy. I think he played okay. Um, it wasn't that he had a bad game, but it was just a flat performance, probably from him and his teammates against 13 men. And, um, you know, there is there is a fair bit of depth in certain positions. The second row is an area that would probably concern me and I've said that a few times. Yeah. That, you know, there is a bit more depth found there but you can't just invent players, you know. I think okay. where, where Ireland at the moment are pretty good and um, I think they're well capable. If they lose in Twickenham, going back to your point, yeah, well, you know, is it a disaster? I don't think so because we've seen a lot of new faces in the last 18 months.
3: All right. We'll leave it there. We'll come back to that. Plenty of time to build up to that one, Alan. Good stuff. Thanks a million. It's Alan Cheers. Thanks, lads. Giving us his thoughts on what happened yesterday and the rest of the weekend. We'll get to your views in a little while. You can keep the comments coming through on youtube.com forward slash Off The Ball. We stream live there every morning. And of course, you can also get us on OTB Sports Radio. Here's what's coming up between uh, today and this evening on Sports Radio. Uh, OTB Gold at 1 o'clock is Declan Murphy uh, his book is called Centaur State of the Union with Keith Wood Mount Rushmore Kenny very controversial I was away for that one OTB Gold is Dr. Harry Edwards on OJ Simpson a brilliant interview about the uh, OJ documentary series which if you haven't seen you should rectify that as soon as you possibly can a reminder OTB AM brought to you by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day we've got Anthony Moyes standing by we're talking Gaelic football next OTB All right, are we back? Are we back in a situation where Gaelic football is the glorious uncertainty and chaos of almost any of the top tier teams believing they can win in All-Ireland? Or is there a new world order being slowly and quietly uh, asserted in the form of Kerry? Anthony Moyes is with us this morning. Anthony, good morning to you. Morning, lads. How are we doing? Yeah, pretty good. This is, I think, maybe one of the few times in our lives where we're both celebrating a, a a, a victory Monday.
1: Uh, yeah how does it day? feel um, uh, pretty amazing to be honest I mean like <laughs> are you are you able to glow just like Owen does or are you uh, are you gloating or is it just kind of like no. quietly confident or- no gloating yeah. no, it's, no gloating history
3: teaches you, you you don't get too long to gloat uh, if this was a, a win in the summer against the Dubs then there'd be a little bit of gloating going on for sure but you know you don't want to you don't want to wake them up just in time for them to go oh sorry yeah okay you're good again. We better pay attention to you. It's like, I, you know, it could go either way here. Definitely feels like, um, I, don't, I don't think the those race is wrong at all. I think the prognostications are a bit mad. It's still a league yeah. game. It's still February. They still have some good players to come back and they still will have a pattern of play. It's interesting that some players are coming back and starting to play good football again for them in patches and
1: matches. And I'm not yeah. saying that's enough, but um, I ain't writing them off but- just yet. But it feels good, though, you know. Yes. And it feel, like, you, and you could see it. You could see it with Glenn Ryan and and you know, obviously the crowd. But you could see how much it meant to the players and to the management team. Like it feels good, you know. And 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 and, and they they obviously had. I'd say Kildare had put a sense of right. You know, we want a performance against this, and Ryan spoke about that. But very much, I'd say they said, "Listen, we're bringing them to Newbridge. We haven't them had not haven't had them here in a long, long time." Um, and I, you know, I'd say they said they, they put it on the on the on the fixture list and said, "This is the one we're really going to try to lay down a marker on." Um, and you know, again, it brings up that whole debate about you know these. Bringing teams and bringing Dublin out of Crow Park and the difference it makes, you know, is it three, four points to the home team? It probably is, um, because you know that was a that was an unbelievable atmosphere. And Newbridge, as you well know, <laughs> Newbridge is tight you know especially when you even get away from the stand and you're over the far side if you're playing that far side as a, a wing back or a wing forward you know you feel the crowd right on top of you you know they're right next door to you and uh, and they don't mind letting their feelings not be known of course so it's uh look it was a great win for them and you can see you know you can see the momentum building with kildare you could see it last week Um, I thought they were very unlucky. Actually, Um, you know, and you can see it. They've been in the battle every single match. They have been in the battle. Their commitment is immense. Um, They're throwing themselves on balls. There was a couple of incidents yesterday where. It was 50-50 challenges, balls on the ground, where Dublin players, one or two of them decided, mm, I'm just going to hold back a little bit here, uh, didn't show up well at all. And Kildare fellas threw themselves, threw their bodies on the ground, won the ball and won vital turnover. So, um, yeah, they'll they'd be, they'd be really, really enthusiastic after it. Uh, um, and, and they're building, they're building very, very well. Uh, If you're Desi, are you worried
3: about the fact that the ball is literally inches from going into the back of the net on multiple occasions and for whatever reason it doesn't make that final bit of the journey? Or are you thinking, that's okay, we're creating loads of goal chances. Um, Maybe when Khan comes back, maybe when some of the rest of those inside forwards get a little bit sharper, they end up as
1: goals? You know, I think we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago. And I've seen people... I, I'm, I'm a little bit. I, I'm like you, you know. I I I think that this, you know, kind of writing them off is 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 way too early. Um, we we've been speaking about it, and 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 as I've been saying, they're getting elements of their game sorted, and 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 every week they seem to be just adding that extra bit, adding an extra bit. And as you say, with players to come back of the caliber that the players are, who are going to come back, just by them being on the pitch and 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 being able to do what they're able to do, all of a sudden it it increases their chances once again. I feel that there's some players, and it's unfortunate, when you get a chance, say, you know, there's a couple of players, I won't name them, but a couple of the forwards who've gone in who have had chances now, they just haven't grabbed it. They haven't grabbed it by the scruff of the neck. They haven't taken shots on. They've, they've been dishing passes off to the likes of Kenny, you know, dishing passes, passes off to Scully or, dishing, you know, Dean Rock or wherever, instead of actually going and taking the chances themselves. And I felt that some of those gold opportunities, not only yesterday, but in previous games, you know, there was, a, there was a thing of, oh, I have to get it to a certain person rather than, actually, do you know what? I'm going to take the, the, the bull by the horns here and I'm going to have a go. Um, and that's what you have to do to break into a team. Um, and that's what you have to do to make sure that you're obviously on, on a starting 15 coming championship. Um, I would have thought that it, w- it was it was a really good time for some of those younger Dublin lads or even some lads like Pascal who've been there for the last number of years to really set a marker. Um, but there just seems to be a little bit of tentativeness. Um, you know... And if I was Desi, you know, you're probably saying, "Listen, we're creating them. We're, we, we seem to have our defence in in a decent order. Uh, I thought their defence was much better yesterday. Um, they seem to know what they're doing a bit more. There seems to be a bit more structure. And essentially, it is. It's 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 the fact that they just can't put the ball in the net and over the bar at 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 at, at the efficient rate that they're used to. Jer, which I think is probably something that they're going to really work on over the next kind of month or two months." All
5: right. That's like a pretty identifiable thing, right? And that's like a not an easy thing to fix, but it's 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 going to be close enough to think that takes Dublin to, to a level where they're not losing these games, and and all of a sudden are are one of the top four or five teams in the country again. Or, or
1: is that overstating how dramatic that improvement would be? I, I, like I mean, I, I, look, there's no doubt about it. On they've come back into the pack. Mm. Okay, there, there's no doubt about it, and the pack have the pack have been continuing their progression forward. And yes, they've come back. I, th- I think, I actually don't think it's going to be a football thing at all. Uh, I think they will get the players back and I think they will start to score. I think it's actually a mental thing. I think, I, I think when I look across some of the results yesterday, you know, and it's something I've been observing over the last while, the narratives around teams and the narratives that are, that are being put out there in many sports and in many walks of life, it, it, it's quite amazing how a narrative can develop around a team. And then it's quite amazing how a narrative can actually be taken away from a team. Um, so, you know, if you look at Dublin, Desi was, I, I think they missed a trick in the sense of, he should have said this year, we're, we're completely rebuilding. And and don't have no expectations of us. This is not a team that will go out and win all Ireland's. You know, we're we're starting right back. That team, that golden generation, is now gone. Yes, we have some remnants of it, but essentially this is a new team. And I think if he had set that out early, um, people would have probably said, "Well, listen, they are building. We're going to give them the opportunity to do that." But instead, there was this kind of halfway house uh, where people were still expecting. Oh, oh, you know, and and people were were nearly kind of happy enough to see the fact that they were actually falling on their own sword and not winning games and da-da-da. So it's... it's it's it's. I think the narrative is, is something that even within the dressing room, and I don't know what goes on within the dressing room, but it's his motivational ability and it's his ability to get those guys to a point where they actually have got it in the stomach to go and push again next year or this year should I say and go and push again for for, for, for another Sam McGuire um, and those things are very very they're hard to gauge but you know they're, they're, they're slight little things that happen in matches as I said 50-50 balls that you don't go for decision making certain things just the, the ability to really turn and chase a guy back that you would have done last year or the year before which you think it's a lost cause and next thing you end up getting a block on a guy or something like that and it's a pivotal moment they're the small little things that you might miss even in watching a game but they're the things that actually will make or break a team um, and Kildare and the other guys have it now when they're coming up against Dublin um, and, and, and for me that's, that's the biggest factor that I think he has to, he has to get right
3: to, to talk a little bit more about um, Kildare the, the other thing that was noticeable was the conditioning was allowing them to go into collisions now there were still some blind alleys of possession and you know listening to um, Paddy Andrews talk about uh, the club final a couple of weeks ago, where players who aren't or the system isn't evolved enough, you, you take an extra pass, you get swallowed up by a defence because they're still got caught in possession a few times, um, particularly in the last ten minutes of the game when you know the the sphincters were tightening on uh, on everybody who was watching it. Uh, yeah, but their conditioning is at a level now where they're actually able to compete against the strongest Dublin players and knock them off significantly worse whereas in recent seasons it felt like Dublin physically were able to dominate teams they were faster than them they were stronger than them they don't seem to have that advantage at the moment
1: yeah they don't but again like again you have to look at the players that are missing Ger you know like I mean you throw some of the guys that they haven't got into that pack um, who are big physical fellas and and fellas who are able to blow through tackles Um, like you know I think a number of years ago Looking at the Mead situation and the Leinster football situation, you know, I, I remember just thinking to ourselves: the first, the first thing that has to happen is. You know, it's kind of it's kind of like an athletics race. You have a guy who's able to run whatever it is in the hundred meters. Well, the first thing you have to do is, if 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 the rest of the pack are chasing them, they have to get to the physical capabilities that they're able to compete. First of all, so they're not breaking down. That they're strong enough. That they're you know that they're able to do all the things. So when they when you put one person up against the other person, there is no deficiency in that in that player or that player or that athlete and this athlete. That's the first thing that has to happen. Then you have to work on obviously the skills and you hope that the skills are improving up to a point where there's no skill deficiency. And then it comes down to, again, the, the narrative around the team, the motivation, what's happening, you know, uh, who, who, who really wants it, who doesn't want it, the psychological aspect of the game. And I think the, the physical... And the skill elements of, of, of teams around Dublin and in that chasing pack have now ca- caught up with Dublin. Um, so we spoke a couple of weeks ago about Kerry and I was mentioning you know Clifford and O'Shea. These lads are big men now. They're not boys anymore. They're not like 18, 19-year-olds that the Dublin lads were able to just feck out of the way and throw them out of the way and away with them. These lads are big boys now. They dictate the pace. They dictate what's going to happen. Um, and you know they, they nearly dictate the terms of, of engagement with regard to the football. So not only are you meeting fellas who can play ball and can play it at an unbelievably high level, but you're also meeting fellas who can mix it with you physically. So all of those things have have coincided, I suppose, with a situation where, you know, Desi Farrell and his management team are kind of saying, have we got the fellas who can go to the well again? Because it's not the younger guys. It probably should be the younger guys. um, But unfortunately... It, it, it doesn't work out that way the younger guys are not going to be the guys who really lead they're going to be the fellas who chip in and the likes of Gannon for example is, is, a, is, a, is a great leader you can see it already you know yeah. that he's yeah. a guy who's taken it on but some of the other fellas won't. So he needs those those fellas like the Howards, like Scullies, like these guys who are still young but who have been around and have a number of All-Irelands in their back pockets. They're the fellas that need, need to dig deep and they need to say, you know what, we're taking this on. We're not going to let this narrative build about us. We're not going to allow this to happen. We're going to come and we're going to actually take this championship by storm. Have they got the capabilities to do it? Yes. Uh, have they got the players to do it? I think they do. Um, but do they have the mental strength to do it? That's the question. Um, what about Kerry then almost in in a scheme to
3: watch the the end of the uh, goalkeeping we we talked a little bit about this at the start but like legitimately began got caught twice that's not uh, like i mean it's it's a question about whether
5: it's not, it's not about the end of uh, the the fly goalkeeper's at all like i mean because i know that there was uh, obviously a pretty positive display of it in the Kildare game from what i understand yesterday i didn't i didn't see it but um but like it's a, it's still a few instances where you're like ooh so I, I guess Anthony, quite like the the, the discussion is about the, the risk versus reward thing for me yesterday, and this is just an isolation of yesterday, where um, begging perhaps. Either it was down to him or down to his teammates. His forays out of goal just weren't beneficial enough to the Monaghan attack. There wasn't enough pace coming off the shoulder. It was basically having 15 men passing relatively laterally without much penetration, rather than you know having an added man really trying to burst through that defense. So for me, when you leave that risk open at the back, the reward actually just isn't worth it. Whereas what we had in the first game of the league, you'd beg actually scoring from play. So that. Probably is worth it. So, so what's the balance uh, at the moment in, in your view, or, or 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 can he throw a blanket over this at all? Does is it dependent entirely on the team you're up
1: against, the goalkeeper at your disposal, and and a multitude of other factors? It's probably a multitude of factors own, but I think that, I think there should be some hard and fast rules. With it, you know, uh, I think on the kick out situation, it should be a hard and fast rule of whether you're playing with, you know, the, the opposition keeper is kicking with the breeze or or, or against the breeze, and um, you want to squeeze up. Um, you know and I think, I think there's some there's some teams you're just, they're just doing it all the time you know and they're putting the keeper out there to be a visual impairment so when the, the opposition goalkeeper looks up he sees the other goalkeeper and he says well I'm not kicking into that space and I think there is a little bit of, as you say, just having to keep her out there, just to have him out there, um, and he's not really doing anything. You could nearly have the umpire out. All he's doing is getting the ball and just shifting it on. There, as you say, there's no pace to it. There's no real incision. There's no really added, added incentive to it at all, I, I, I find. Where, where it does work is when you have a keeper and begging to be fair to him is generally very, very cool and very calm on the ball and very adept at running with the ball. But when you have a guy who is able to take the ball at pace and bring it that 20 or 30 meters or indeed be able to pick a pass, um, you know, over maybe a, 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 a kind of a blanket defense, that's where I think it really, really comes into play. Um, it also comes into play, obviously, when you want to get out of trouble in your own defense and you have a person who has the ability just to, to move and shift the ball i am kind of i think some teams are getting a little bit caught um, they're getting cut between two stools as I said of just playing it and just having a guy there all the time out um, and you know if I was the opposition to that and I know, identified a team that we were coming up against that had, had was, was doing that with a goalkeeper I would definitely be setting some traps for the goalkeeper allow the goalkeeper the ball and actually let him come in and let him maybe come down the centre of the pitch a bit more and then look to trap him look to dispossess him and then look to try, obviously try and get the ball back in the, into the back of the net as, 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 as they all chase back um, and I, you know I think we've seen it and we're going to see it again more and more because um, at the end of the day you know a lot of goalkeepers although they're improving a lot of keepers aren't all that comfortable with with having the ball in the hand, especially when you've, you know, you've a couple of players coming running at them and and trying to dispossess them. So I think there is a, it's, it's a 50, 50 thing at the moment. Um, I think the more important thing really for goalkeepers, of course, is, 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 is the restarts. And it's always been the restarts. Um, And you know, the the, the power of that and the ability to get your own kickouts away um, is, is still, is still a massive thing. And when we go back to Dublin, you know, uh, like I mean, the Cluxton factor and everything else of that, and the restarts and the speed of restarts um, is is still something that I think that they're they're slightly missing. You know, they're they're improving on it, um, but there, it, it is it is it is it is still a big factor for them. Um, Kerry are very good. Owen is
3: bearing the lead here. Kerry are very very good at the moment, looking efficient. Have have found
1: a defensive style, have solved a lot of the problems.
3: Like, are we are we missing this?
1: No, I don't think so. I think they I think they're really good, Jer. Um I I tell you what they've brought. They have brought an unbelievable aggression now in their defense. We spoke about it last week about this idea of running to the ball. They 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 I thought last year they were in this zonal weird zonal thing where they had players back and I see teams doing it now and it really it really, you know, irks me. The fellas are back there There's bodies there, but actually no one is actually picking up men. You see the Tyrone goal, McBriarty's goal uh, against Tyrone. If you count the amount of Tyrone players that were in vicinity of around McBriarty when he made that run, I think there was seven or eight Tyrone guys and there was two or three Donegal guys. I think there actually could have been eight Tyrone guys. Like Eight defenders should never be done by three forwards. That should never happen. Like i mean that that that, that like I means someone 's not doing their job there um, and what 's happening is when you 're in that situation, the responsibility is passed from one to another without even maybe communication, and of course all it needs is a slight breakdown and a fellow with a bit of skill and in he goes and that was that that was happening last year with Kerry you know there was fellas passing guys on the other guy wasn't wasn't aware that he actually was the recipient of the of, of the player next thing he was close he was he was watching the ball two guys in behind bang goal or score and um, whereas this year they are really set they are they're man to man they're very aggressive they have a plus one they have someone else back in there Morley I think has been a bit of a revelation where he's playing and um, they've an awful lot of pace coming from the half back line I'm not a massive fan of Obuglick from a defensive point of view, like if you look at him against Dublin, Bugler gave him all sorts of problems. But from an attacking point of view, he is unbelievably quick. Um, And when you think of White and you think of all the rest of the guys that that are still due to come back into that team, You've I, I look, I they're firm favourites for me at the moment. Firm favourites. Um, and and we could be looking at a situation like like we had in Dublin for the last ten years, you know, because these guys are young, they're hungry. And when you want to go back to narratives, you know, like Look at the narrative of that team. Like, I mean, they're sitting there and they're saying, right, it's now our time. It's our time to stamp. It's, it's, it, we've had enough of this, you know, the blue wave, the drive for five, all this kind of crack, whatever it is, blah, 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 six, seven, many All-Irelands. They're, they're now saying, right, it's time now for us to write history. And I tell you, you wouldn't bet against them. Hmm. It's like, it's, it's hard to disagree with that. And I think they're narrowing in
5: as an well Ireland favourites over uh, the, the last couple of weeks as well. Like, I'm not sure if there is a situation that you know yourself, Anthony, from experience where the longer a season goes on, the more that expectation just develops inside and the mentality and what a manager can do to to try and... I guess remedy that a little bit is is chopping and changing with the squad a little bit more than you actually need to from week to week just to keep things fresh in the squad because there is no getting away from the fact now that that they are firm favourites and and it's getting firmer to be honest like because you've got like Dublin I think were second favourites before the weekend so I presume that they've moved out a little bit um, again so that that only just strengthens Kerry's Kerry's cause again so. So, how, how do you, I guess, actively fight against the the, the mental challenges that going for their first on Ireland for many of them is gonna gonna pose?
1: Well, you know. <laughs> you're the carry man Owen <laughs> so <laughs> like I don't think expectation is, is 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 never been an issue with carry people like there's an expectation whether you had great teams or or pretty mediocre teams you know so I think when you go into and you put on that carry jersey whether you're playing under 12 14 or all the way up through the senior there's an expectation that you are going to wear it and you are going to beat the opposition no matter who they are so I don't think they're going to suffer from you know kind of uh, uh uh to be like startled bunnies they're going to realize that actually now is their time um i think they, they will take that mantle on um and i think they will take it on with gusto um, i think they will look at every single team that they come up against and i think they will feel that they're going to be ruthless i can see that in them there is a bit of a ruthless streak in them. They're, as I said, they, they can mix it either way with you. Um, and when they have the opportunities to even go for points, they're saying, right, let's go for goals here. Um, you know, they, 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 are, they are literally bringing every opportunity to its last phase. Um, and, and that is a sign of a team that is massively hungry and that is playing with their head up uh, and is playing with massive confidence and is playing with ruthlessness. And, you know, I don't think O'Connor will have a problem Honestly, from a psychological point of view, yeah, if they get a couple of injuries, you know, like, I mean, if Clifford got injured or O'Shea got injured, but I think, honestly, that the strength and depth is so strong now that they're able to bring guys in um, uh, and just replace fellas. So, you know, I know we're we're, we're building them up here, but I, I really, honestly, I can't see many other people having the firepower that they have the, the question mark I always had was the defence. That, mm. that was my question mark. I thought they could score plenty up front, but it was leaking at the other end. And I think they've solved they've that. Are, are are on the way to solving it in a big way. Carrier 11 day Dublin three to one still second favourite second right yeah by a mile as well Mayo
3: are six to one Tyrone nine to one mm. Donegal fourteen like, not I I'm being genuine when I say this
5: Mayo six to one is value right like I mean you you have to say that they it's it's hard to make a case that, that that's they're a bigger price than Dublin at the moment Anthony.
1: I may say that that's serious. I agree that's serious value, you know, like I I don't want to harp on about this. But again, you look at mail, right? You look at what they did over the weekend and you look like people kind of go, oh, how do they keep coming back? Well, well, why wouldn't they keep coming back? You know, they, they, they want that ultimate prize. The question for Mayo would be when they eventually get their hands on that prize, what they will do the following year or the year after that, because that, their narrative is, is, is driving and continuously getting up off the floor and going for that. So those guys don't know when they're beaten. It, it is literally drilled into their heads. It's in every being that they are, that they feel that they need to get to the promised land. So every single time they do a training session, every single time they do a video session, analysis session, every time they play a game, they're thinking we need to get to that promised land. They're they're constantly motivated to push towards that. Now I'm not saying other teams aren't, but you'll find if you were really, if players were really, really honest, other teams would be well. We're in a rebuild phase. We're in this. We're in that. Whereas Mayo constantly, every single time they start out, that's where they want to go. And and you know, like you look at them, uh, you look at what they're doing. You look at their strength and depth. Like Dave, they're bringing guys off the bench. I think they brought whatever it was Durkin. Ohora, uh, Kevin McLaughlin, and Aiden O'Shea, and like that—that's that's, that's four serious. Mm. That's firepower coming in off the sideline, and and that's and that's guys who can change a, a, a game, you know, um, and it can, and it can who can who can, can do things for you, um, and the strength and depth again, once again, you know, these guys have to accept this role. Like Aiden O'Shea is a big character in that male dressing room, and he has to accept the role that he's coming on uh he has to accept the role that he's coming on and, and and going to change things and again that's 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 something that uh, uh Horan has done very very well He's managed to he's managed to operate the, the, that whole idea of that we have fellas coming in who are going to enhance the team. You know we're going to finish with a stronger team than we started. That whole idea, but again, that's that's all about you know him building uh, you know kind of messages around the team. And and look, they're they're going to be there thereabouts. They're they're not going to go away. Not a chance. One last question for you. The situation in me is, is getting a bit desperate at this point. It's.
3: It's tricky that the remaining fixtures they have. There's some winnable games. They're playing the best team in the division still to go. So there's a possibility that they're staring down the barrel of the Talton Cup in advance of the Leinster Championship.
1: Yeah, it's not good. Yeah, uh, it's not good. You know, we've we've been. <laughs> T- thanks for uh, bringing this on me on a, on, a, on a Monday morning as we sign off. Um, no, I'm not. Look, I think I think I wasn't at the game. Okay, so I can't really talk about too much about the game against Offaly on Saturday. They they got out of jail with a last minute goal, but I looked at some of the stats on it again. Their 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 efficiency rate in front of goal is is really low. Like I mean, I think it was thirty percent of of shots from play uh, were scores. Um, and then thirty seven or thirty eight percent overall, like that. That's that's bad, and it's been at that level. I think they've only scored forty five points. Like I think they're one of the lowest scoring teams across the four divisions. Um, so they have problems. They have a lot of injuries. They have got Ronan Jones back. You know they were essentially without their two starting midfielders, which was Jones and Menton. They got Jones back. He's had, helped things. Menton will come back. Um, but again, you know. Th- there's time it, it it is a massive time for a few of those new guys who've been in the last number of years they need to step up and they need to start scoring they're probably trying now in the, in the last few games and i would say over the next few games to bring a bit more of the that youth in that was was kind of in the minors and the under 20 squads over the last couple of years so you will start to see them being kind of filtered in but there's no doubt about it you know andy you know like you guys know you know, you, you covered it when the the county board had a bit of an upheaval against them um and and they had to go back to the clubs. Like I've spoken about this before that that's 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 never an easy situation then for a management team to have that sitting over them uh, whether you're winning or losing and of course what only happens is the pressure gets applied even more when you start to lose a few games or draw a few games or you're in the situation that you're in and um, there's only one thing that can happen there the players have to dig in and um, the management team have to dig in and the county has to dig in and they have to get behind andy and they have to get behind this squad um, and they have to try and push because on their day they're a very very good team they're very fast they're very quick um, you know they, they can open you up but I, I noticed something against Offaly again passive defending you know guys in zones not really like if you look at the McNamee goal he gives the pass. He runs past three Mead players, runs through them to get on the end of it. Like the, As soon as he gives that pass, he should be bang. He should be hit for when he wants to go for the return. He should not be allowed to go anywhere near in, in, in towards the goal. Um, and, of course, what happens is he gives the pass, ends up getting it back, sticks it in the back of the net at a vital time in the game. Now, they kept going, and they peppered the goal, and they were they were probably... You know, unfortunate that they it ended up as a last minute, but, but but they got their just rewards. But I think it is pressure for him, Gerrard. And I think, you know, there's a couple of games. Obviously, they have to play Cork, which is going to be a big one. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if they if they took a bigger scalp. I really wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they took a bigger scalp, you know, in, 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 in the run-in. Um, but they need a big scalp to get yeah. confidence within the squad.
3: Yeah, and nothing like
1: a last-minute goal
3: to get out of jail to actually make training a bit happier this Absolutely. week so we'll see Anthony good yep. stuff thanks a million cheers no bother lads talk to you me they have Derry Clare and Cork left in their three games and there's a bit of jeopardy around those so oh look a league based championship would have been good in making everybody interested in the last oh these are dead rubbers no this is the, we're not supposed to have any interest left in these games now because they're dead rubbers yeah. means nothing there's an alternate reality where we're having a great time right now <laughs> I'm having a good time there's definitely <laughs> well an, sorry yeah of course how could you not be there's definitely an alternate reality uh, where maybe the world is not going to hell 9.41 this morning OTBAM is brought to you by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day uh, right we want to say congratulations to Dermot Ronane winner of our Gillette Labs shaving pack this morning he was canvassing for the cork hurlers to make the green we will go in depth on the week's hurling uh, more tomorrow and the rest of the week as well when the hurling rankings will have to be absolutely obliterated from where they were uh, by Will later on this week Join us tomorrow morning We'll be live from half 7 to 10 o'clock Across all of OTB's social channels
4: OTB
0: AM With Gillette Get into your flow With the new Gillette Labs razor With exfoliating bar